I ended up hitting a bird with a bus? Yeah, we'll get to it. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 27 of the Comedically Hard-Headed Podcast. People always ask me, what was it like working with children? What was it like working with so many different faces each and every day? Like, how do you keep your energy up? And if you didn't know, for 11 years, I was the director of a community center, and we focused on working with kids ages 5 to 18. Well, really like about two and a half to about 24, because to be honest, there were always those kids that brought in their younger siblings that weren't supposed to be in there because they were too young. And so now you got three-year-olds still wearing pull-ups, but they know how to cuss. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had those that would phase out, but never really leave. (laughs) So they were still around. Um, You know, they'd go to college and come back every Christmas, Thanksgiving, spring break, summer, and hang out all day. And so you end up pretty much raising a village. It's kind of cool. But I wanted to dedicate this next set of episodes to my work with youth. So in order to do that, we definitely have to backtrack. So to put things into context, it's so crazy how all of these podcast episodes tie to each other. We have to revisit the very, very first episode of the podcast. That's the episode where I talk about moving back home after college. Just to sum things up really quickly, I had graduated from Howard University and it was so funny because when I was leaving to go to Howard, I remember being 17, 18 and was like, yeah, I'm about to go to DC and when I graduate, you know, I'm going to be this big music exec or an actor or director or something. I'm going to be living in New York. I'm going to have a penthouse that looks above all of Manhattan and life is going to be great. As a matter of fact, I probably won't even finish it, Howard, because I'm going to get discovered while I'm there and I have to make a choice as to whether or not I should just go ahead and drop out and be famous now or get the little degree and then go ahead and do the fame thing. So that was 18-year-old me. Now we fast forward to 21-year-old me and 21-year-old me is on the plane back to Spanaway, Washington, because things have not aligned, all right? There, there was no penthouse. <laughs> Look, I barely got up out of there, okay? I still graduated with like a 3.1 or a 3.2 as far as my accumulative GPA, but I didn't do that great at Howard. I was just all right, and so I end up moving home because I didn't quite have things quite aligned. The ideas and the plans that I thought were going to be there did not come into fruition, so now I'm on the plane back home, and that luxury suite and penthouse is now the bedroom at my parents' house, and it's still the same bunk bed I had when I was 12, and it's a futon bunk bed, so you have to sleep on the top because the bottom is a couch, and the couch wasn't that comfortable, so here's 21, 22-year-old me climbing up to the bunk bed every night, and I have to remember that when I wake up, not to wake up too excited or I'm going to hit my head on the roof when I jump up, so get up slowly every morning. So that was my life for the time being. Lots of ups and downs. The downs would have definitely been I had a really hard time adjusting to moving back home. Spanaway, Washington is home for me. That that was base. That's what I grew up around. Loved it as a child. Even when we went to Italy, I couldn't wait to get back to Spanaway. Spanaway was everything to me. But when you get a taste of something else and you know that there's more out there, it's hard sometimes to go back home because sometimes you feel like home is a failure on your behalf if you had all these elaborate plans. So when I left Spanaway, like I left, you know, on the moon. So coming back, it was like, okay, well, we we didn't quite make it to the moon. As a matter of fact, the rocket took off and and had to come back down because something was wrong with the engine. So we're going to try again in a few years. That's like what it felt like. So, you know, making that adjustment, going from a a place like D.C. where everything was just jumping. And, you know, I I, I was not used to being out till three or four in the morning every night. And, you know, you're randomly hanging out with your friends and the street randomly clears because the Obama motorcade is coming down the street. And then the next day you guys are going to go to New York and go to this concert. And then the next day we're going to go to Baltimore. We're going to do this. And the next day, we're going to go to Rich. Like, it's just a totally different life. So going from that to what was once familiar but now seems distant was a challenge. On top of that, my father had gotten really sick because he had scleroderma. I didn't realize how sick he had gotten. You know, I would gradually see the progression of his illness get worse over time. But 
going home was when I really started to realize how intense that was. And I talk about that in the, um, I forgot the name of the episode, but the episode I do where I talk about my father passing on. Uh, my grandmother had passed on. I had fell out with a few childhood friends. That was just a whole lot going on. But some of the good was that, you know, I jumped into comedy. I started the YouTube channel because, again, I was unemployed. I wasn't doing anything. So I had all the time in the world. So I started the YouTube channel. Like I said, I had done comedy. I was teaching dance. Uh, I was a choir director at some point. Um, but I really enjoyed the time that I had with my family. Just the random things like just sitting and eating dinner together. You know, at one point, I didn't think I'd really be doing that anymore because I had moved out. But moving back home, even though I wanted to be in other places, I really started to enjoy that time with family and by the time we got to the end of that term while I was home and unemployed I actually almost kind of didn't want to leave you know life was, had gotten pretty good I had it adjusted Spanaway wasn't as bad as I was making it out to be it was kind of you know even though it's different from DC it's still home and home is always familiar so you know by the time I got the call that hey you have a new job and you need to be in DC in like a week and a half <laughs> yes we know you requested four weeks but we need you here now my life definitely went into a new whirlwind of change, so let's talk about it. I always say I broke my mother's heart twice. It still eats me up today, but the first time would have been me leaving off for school. No no parent wants to send their child off. They're proud of their child, they're excited, but it's hard to accept that your child no longer lives at the house, especially if they're moving 3,000 miles away. So I always say the second time I broke her heart was after I returned home and left again. I felt like I felt I remember just feeling so bad because even that that last hug before I, I got in the car to go it was one of those hugs as if it was like she knew this was like the last time I'm gonna be home in this capacity for real this time like she it was kind of like she knew from now on she's gonna see me on Christmas and, and special holidays but this boy's about to set up shop on the other side of the country so it it made me feel really bad um and so yeah, it took me a good year and some change to not feel terrible about leaving my mom because as much as I fry her up on this podcast, I love my mother a lot. <laughs> and the same with my father. Um, I talked about it in the first episode, but there was some guilt about leaving while he was sick because I felt like maybe I should stay. And his response, even though it was a little gloomy, was like, he, you know, son, I'm never going to really quite get better. And so you can't live your life based on my experience because he, he was pretty much saying his life is his life and mine is mine. And, you know, as long as I'm calling and visiting and keeping up, then, you know, I shouldn't have anything to worry about. So once, you know, I had that conversation, I felt a little bit better. He and I did get to go fishing, you know, a few days before I left out, which was something he and I always did. Like we go, he had a boat, you know, we go to Lake Sinclair, all these different lakes. And man, I never knew that would be the last time that we would ever go fishing again, because by the time I came home the next time, he wasn't even in a space to even pull the boats and stuff like that. So, you know. There, were, there was a lot to think about. And, and then Marcus, who at this point is now a high schooler, it you know, he's coming into his own. So it wasn't as bad leaving with him this time. You know, when I first moved away, he was only in like fourth or fifth grade. So, you know, the little brother's sad that the big brother's leaving. But at this point, Marcus is in his own space. He got his own thing going. He got girls and stuff sneaking in now. So, you know, he's not worried about me. You, I'll see you around. All right, see you. And so I get on the plane. Even though I'm sad that I'm leaving, I am hyped. Like, we are out of here and now I'm about to be like a real adult and you know I am a director you know my you call me mister you know all of that kind of energy because finally you know I had been unemployed for a year and a half it's now August of 2011 you know because I finished Howard in May of 2010 it's August of 2011 I'm on my way you know now I'm doing the real adult thing you know now I can play my music as loud as I want to can't nobody tell me nothing only problem is I don't have a place to stay yet 
so because I had to rush over to the DMV area because they again they needed somebody really really quick what was happening was the summer was ending and they were about to jump into the school year and they wanted to make sure they had a director in place at least a week before school started and so the previous director of this center had left in April so they went all of April through the summer with no director and they literally had one person running the show so they needed somebody to get there ASAP so I don't have a place to stay you know that wasn't enough time for me to find an apartment on top of that it's not like I have any credit or anything so I start out at a days in hotel which I wasn't excited about because, again, for some reason, this is probably a silly reason, but I'm sorry, Selena got killed at Days In, so I'm not trying to be there. Um, so I remember being at the Days In and it's starting to sink in like, sir, you just uprooted your whole life. Like, you just uprooted everything. And so I'm sitting like, what am I doing here? Is this, did I make the right choice? On top of that, DC was not going to be the same DC that I left. So much had changed. That, that wonderful crew that I ran with that I talked about in the Howard University episodes, everybody has spread out. Our little group team, Sonny, you know, me, Nick, Tanae, Whitney, and a few other folks that used to run it. The mix has shifted. You know, Nick has is, is moving to California. Tanae is now a flight attendant. She lives in New York. It's, it's just me and Whitney. And I'm like, wait, my whole life is changing here. And so... I wasn't quite sure um, what I had just done. So I'm sitting in this hotel room, and mind you, this was not the best days in to be at. Like, to be honest, I really do think it was one of, like, the prostitute sex worker hotels. There was just a lot going on outside of my window all the time, and I was there for about 10 days. And then the Wi-Fi didn't work. That was the part that was really killing me because, again, I was still building my YouTube channel, and I knew the VMAs were coming on that weekend. I needed to have my review ready. You know, that was going to give me a few extra subscribers. And the Wi-Fi just didn't work. So I remember going down to the lobby and telling the guy, hey, the Wi-Fi in my room is not working. And he was like, oh, well, you know, you, you're must, you must be connecting to it the wrong way. And I'm looking at him sideways like, I know how to connect to Wi-Fi. He's like, yeah, let me see your laptop. I'll show you how to connect to it. Okay. So I give him the laptop just to watch him do what I've already done 30 times. And so I'm like, this is the stuff I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm in this raggedy hotel. And so he's like, well, it's not working in your room for some reason, but it works in the lobby. So if you want, you can just use it in the lobby. And I'm sitting here looking like, okay, well, I guess if I can ignore this obvious human trafficking situation going on in the lobby, I guess I might be able to just get my work done and just tune out everything. But then the crazier part was the lobby at the hotel closed at like 8 p.m. every night. So then he'd be like, sir, the lobby's closed. I'm like, well, where else am I supposed to use the internet? I can't use it in my room. He's like, oh, well, if you sit in the front bench out front, the Wi-Fi should still connect. I'm like, great. So now I got to go outside and dodge bullets too. Okay, I need to find a place ASAP. And people may be asking, well, why did you stay at the Days in? Listen, I was broke. I had no money when I got to D.C. I might have had $300 to my name. And so Days in was about 49 or 50 bucks a night, especially when you stayed for the extended time. So for them 10 days, you know, I got a pretty decent deal. Um, but the plan was after Days in, I would end up going and staying with my Aunt Queen, who lived all the way past Silver Spring over in Glenmont, Maryland. I remember the very first day of the job. I was really excited because technically this was my first real job. And again, that director title had went to my head, so I made sure to look the part. I had on a full suit, all right? I mean, decked out, all right? Now, mind you, it's the summer in the DMV, so it's about 100 degrees outside, sweating. And I also don't have my car, and I wouldn't get my car until about October. So I need to take the bus and the train and get to everywhere. So my boss... She was like, I want you to come meet me at my office so we can go over some paperwork and I can just give you a few details about what you're going to be doing and then we'll go to your actual center. So my boss's office was in Falls Church, Virginia. And so I remember I had to take the bus and take the bus to the train, take the train to a few stops and then it would take me to Falls Church and then I'd get on another bus. And what I didn't know 
was that my boss's office was also at a community center, but that community center was actually in the basement of a church. And so I'm on the bus, I'm looking for this certain address, and this is before, you know, mind you, I didn't even have a smartphone, okay? I don't remember what kind of phone I had, but it wasn't an iPhone, it wasn't a Blackberry. I don't even think people were really using droids like that yet. I had some kind of interesting concoction of a phone. I had wanted to get a Blackberry at, at the time, and my dad was like, oh, I, I got you, I'm gonna hook you up, I'm gonna get you a phone. He found some kind of phone from this third-party Korean company that made a phone that kind of looked like a sidekick. And so that's what I had. Um, and so when it came to directions and GPS, oh no, you had to still print out the directions. So I remember I had printed out, you know, my, my, my map quest directions to get there. And so I'm, I'm trying to follow along on the bus with the piece of paper trying to get to this location. And so we have driven past the location because again, it's in a church. I didn't know it was in a church. I'm looking for this big elaborate community center with football fields and a pool and, you know, five stories. That's what I'm looking for not to be found right so i end up getting off the bus catching a bus the opposite way because at this point while i'm following along with the paper i've definitely gone past where i'm supposed to go so i get on the other bus and i end up going past where i'm supposed to go again i'm like what the heck so i get back on the next bus going in the other direction again so we're going back and forth and back right and i'm asking this bus driver like hey there's a community center that's supposed to be somewhere on the street i'm supposed to go to and the bus driver's like Ain't no community center around here. What you talking about? I'm like, it's called the so-and-so community center. It says somewhere over here by like Bailey's Crossroads or something, right? And so eventually he's like, oh, you must be talking about that church over there. I think it's something right there. And I'm like, what church? He's like, right there. I'm gonna let you off right here. So I get off and I see this church. I'm like, I don't think this is it. And then I see this really, really tiny sign that says the organization I work for. I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. All right, so I go and I meet Boss Lady. Boss Lady would be my boss for like the next five or so years. And Boss Lady was a character, all right? So she was this Korean woman um, who, very artsy, very free-spirited, but all over the place. Lovely person, lovely. But man, she was a character. Y'all hear about her nonsense later down the line as we get further into these episodes. And so I meet with Boss Lady and we're doing all this paperwork and signing everything. And she also has an assistant in the office, this, this girl named Carrie. Now, Carrie was real cool. I rocked with Carrie. Carrie was this white girl. She and I were in the same age bracket, same class as far as college and everything like that. She'd end up being really cool later down the line. And so Carrie's in there doing the paperwork and everything. And so Boss Lady's like, all right, I want you to just meet a few people and then we're going to actually head to your location. I'm like, okay, dope. So I end up meeting the staff of that center. And I'll definitely have some stories about those people. <laughs> but overall, there were about five or six people I met from that center. There was this guy named John. John was like this middle-aged white man. Um, interesting character. I thought he and I were going to have some problems from day one because I didn't like the way he looked at me. But um, John would end up being somewhat okay. We'll talk about him later. Then it was Greg. Greg was like this older Filipino guy. Greg was cool. Greg was funny to me. Greg was an old soul. He kind of just, you know, lived in Greg world. And then it was Don. Don was a bit younger. I thought she was older than me, but she was younger than me by like three or four years. Um, she was the Salvadorian girl, but Don had the worst attitude in the world. I'll get to her later. And then there was another guy, Alex. Alex was real cool as well. Alex was a few years older than me, maybe six or seven years. He was the Salvadorian guy, so he was real cool. And then the other two people for now that you'd need to know um there was big boss man big boss man was boss lady's boss and big boss man is the guy that interviewed me if you remember in the very first episode i talked about how i felt like i bombed the interview and how my interview felt like an interrogation it was big boss man doing the interrogation i didn't think he really liked me like that um i think 
as the years progressed and my center started to do very, very well, the, the energy shifted and then I became one of the favorites. But back then, Big Boss Man was not feeling me. He didn't think I'd be somebody that would stay long enough. He, at the time, based on our interview, felt that I'd be one of these knuckleheaded 22-year-olds that come in and stay for two or three months and then get a better job and bounce. And I guess that's kind of a pattern that happens in this field where people, they just need some quick money so they do something at the vulnerabilities of other people and then they bounce and go find something better. Um, or they just don't like the experience because they deal with a whole lot of nonsense so they don't stay long. And the other person that you probably need to know in the moment is the CEO. Now, long story short, at the time, I think we had about 18 or 19 centers and the CEO was in charge of all of them. You know, we all fell under the organization's blanket and then we were in different regions. But there was a CEO who was, you know, the big, big, big boss. And then right under the CEO was the big boss man. And then there was boss lady. And then there were those of us that were on the different club levels and everything like that. And so I end up meeting everybody at that center. And I was like, all right, interesting. So they had a unique kind of center. Like I said, it was in the basement of a church. And then the kids would go down to the basement and they'd have all these different activities and stuff. By the way, I did change the name of every person mentioned in this podcast, aside from my immediate family or the few friends that I've talked about from the Howard episodes. Anybody who is a co-worker, a staff member, a family member of any of the kids or any of the kids, all the names have been changed. All right. Because I don't need y'all trying to go and research and dig up people and, and put pieces together. Nope, we're not doing that. And so boss lady's like, all right, we're going to go ahead to your center. And I got nervous at first because I'm like, oh, God, I hope I don't have to take a bus and a train and another bus and another train because it took me almost two and a half hours to get here. And she was like, oh, no, we're going to hop in my car and we're going to get to know each other a little bit better. Oh, OK, cool. So we hop in the car. The funniest thing about boss lady is she is one of those people who take eight hours to start the car. It was so funny because I've gotten in the car. She has one of those um, hybrid cars or something like that. I forgot what it was. And so I'm sitting in the car. I watch her go and check the tires. Like she walks around the car to make sure the tires are flat. Then she gets in the car. She's checking the mirror. She's checking this. She's adjusting that. And all I kept hearing her say was, oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm like, man, if you don't start this car. And it's so funny because, you know, when you first learn how to drive, you're all about safety and you do all of the right things. And then, you know, after you've been driving for a few years, you just get in the car and be riding on fumes, all right? All kind of lights on, oil light, check engine light, tire pressure's low, and you still ride. We're going on a road trip tonight, y'all. Let's go, right? And so it was interesting because I'm like, did boss lady just learn how to drive? But no, I would learn it. That's just what she did every single time. So we ride off to my center. And so we ride about 30 minutes and then boom, we pull into this apartment complex. And I'm like, okay. And mind you, I've never been to my center. Even when I interviewed for it, um, I interviewed at a different center. There was a center in Old Town, Alexandria that I had um, interviewed at. And that was a nice one. It had like a gym and it was like four or five floors and everything. It's like, okay. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so mine would be something like that as well. Cool. And so we enter this apartment complex. And so I'm looking for the big giant building that's going to have the pool and the tennis courts and the gyms and the badminton arenas and the wrestling rinks and you know all the things that you think of when you think of community center you know racquetball just they might even have a skate rink somewhere up in there you know just big elaborate center because i'm ready look i'm in my suit you know i'm the director all right we, we in here to, to shake some things up and so we pull in front of what looks like an apartment and i see this little tiny sign that says community center i said Okay, well, this doesn't quite look like some of the other centers I've seen, but you know what? This is a three-story building, so you know what? Maybe the gym is in the back, and this could be one of those buildings where when you go underground, it's just expansive. It's like some Pentagon stuff. Like, you know the Pentagon. I got like 550 floors under the main floors that we see on the surface, so I'm like, okay, you know, maybe the center's underground, or, or maybe this is section A of the center, and there's a bigger part, because I'm right now I'm looking at what looks like an apartment, and... 
I don't know where the center's gonna be, but okay, we're, we're gonna make this work, because at this point, there's no turning back. You have flown 3,000 miles away, you were staying at the Selena Hotel, and you need money, so we're gonna make this work, because again, you're the director, so we're gonna direct it, and, and somehow this building is gonna magically get bigger or something. And so, I get out of the car, and there's these two park benches in front of the entrance. On one park bench, there's this woman who's holding a baby, and on the other park bench, there's this teenage girl. And so Boss Lady gets out of her car and goes straight to the woman that's sitting at the park bench holding the baby. And so I follow Boss Lady over and we're looking at the baby because the baby's all super, super cute. You know, the baby's like two months old and Boss Lady's like, oh, it's just so cute. Little Cedric is getting bigger. And so I get introduced to Miss Glenda. Now, Miss Glenda is one of the residents of the neighborhood and her son also attends the community center. And so she was just sitting out on the park bench holding the baby because guess what? Miss Glenda lives upstairs. She was like, yeah, if you need anything, I live right there. So she points to where her unit is. And I'm like, right there. She's like, yeah, right there. And in my head, what's processing is, okay, now, before I got out of this car, I thought this center was at least three stories. And so it can't be three stories if Miss Glenda's apartment is directly above the front entrance. And that also probably means that the floor above Miss Glenda and Cedric is also a residential unit. So it's starting to look like this community center is only on the first floor. Unless there is a basement that I don't know about, or unless that this building extends further to the back and there's more sections and, and compartments that I have not seen yet. So I meet Miss Glenda and then Boss Lady goes over to the girl that's sitting on the bench. It's about this 14 year old girl, black and blue braids, this girl named Terrilyn. And Terrilyn is not even looking up. Terrilyn is, I don't remember if she was doing her nails or on her phone, doing something, but she's sitting out there looking down. Boss Lady's like, I have someone very special for you to meet. This is your new director, Mr. Michael. And I'm waiting for the confetti and the, hey, I'm so excited you're here and welcome. And then, I don't know, the band comes out and they, they do a whole number off the whiz. I was waiting for all that. And Terrilyn has not even looked up. And the only thing Terrilyn says is, well, are you going to be here? Because if not, you can leave now. And I'm, excuse me. <laughs> Like, I didn't know how to receive that. I'm like, okay. And so it had started to sink in that, okay, clearly these kids are pissed about the previous director leaving, and so they already have smoke for me coming in, so this might not be the most whimsical entrance. And what I ended up learning was that the center had had about seven or eight directors before me, and that was all within a four-year period. The longest director had been there for two years. That was the one that they were really attached to. But when that director left, then they were trying to find the next replacement. And some of the replacements were only there for a few months. One was only there for one week. They said, y'all can have this. I'm out. And so it was just to a point where the kids had been removed. There were so many new faces. So they just weren't really checking for anybody. They really wanted the previous director to come back. And they weren't really fond of any new people. And so I was already coming in, losing the game from day one. Because I was like, man, I had never been spoken to that way by a random child. I'm like, whose child is this talking to me all kind of sideways? And I was confused because I was having flashbacks to when I used to volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club in D.C. when I was in college. You know, that was fun. And day one, it was lit. We had a great time with the kids. But to also be fair, I was like 18 and the teenagers I was with were like 16. So really, we were all pretty much peers. But, you know, I had a ball. So then I come to this center and, you know, these kids acting like they don't want you to be here. So I'm like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. So then Boss Lady's like, okay, I want to introduce you to Darlene. So Darlene was the only other person who would be working there. I said, only other person? So it's two of us up in here? All these kids? Because I'm going to tell you about what the center looked like in a minute. But I'm like, oh, just two people, huh? Okay. So I get introduced to Darlene. And the reason I gave her the name Darlene in this story is because she literally had the same personality as Darlene from The Roseanne Show. Like, if you could mix Darlene and Daria together from that MTV show back in the day, that was her personality. 
dry, no energy, no life, just there in the moment. Like if I could describe her, it, she was like the bread from Panera Bread. You ever have one of them sandwiches and it's like the bread is hard on the outside and the inside. Like the crust, you will literally rip out a filling trying to eat one of them sandwiches. And even when you get to the middle of the bread, even that's hard. And I don't know why they gas up Panera Bread because that stuff is not jumping. That's the nastiest overrated food. Ain't no way I'm paying $39 for a sandwich that's not even good. Okay. That was her energy. I, I was so confused. I'm like, why, why they got her working with kids? Even the handshake was dry. Boss lady's like, oh, this is going to be your new boss. This is Mr. Michael. Hello. Hello? Okay. All right. So she gave me a little cold fish handshake. And so I'm just like, okay. I hope we don't ever get stranded anywhere together because, God, it's not going to be a good time at all. And if you've ever seen Don't Be a Menace, remember there was that guy that was super pro-black but only dated white women? And there was that scene where he went to the black woman and was like, can you tap that white girl on the shoulder for me? And then when they show who the white girl is, it's like the most plain Jane girl, okay? That was the same kind of energy Darlene had. And it didn't help that when Boss Lady was describing Darlene to me when we were on the way to the center, she was like, oh yeah, she's this Puerto Rican girl with really, really long hair, something, something. So in my head, I'm thinking I'm about to go, it's gonna be Jennifer Lopez at work. You know, we are gonna have us a great time. It's, it's gonna be lit. None of that. She was nothing of the sort. And this is not about her looks. I'm talking about her energy and personality. All right. And so I just was like, eh. and then and then boss lady took me next door to the rental office. So the way that this neighborhood is set up, it's this big giant apartment complex with maybe 20 buildings. You know, each building is about three stories and each building, I think, has 12 apartments in it. I can't remember something like that. And then the specific building where my center is, is it's the rental office on the first floor, the community center on the first floor, and then to the left of the first floor is two units, and then everything on the second and third floor are apartments. And so the rental office and the community center, we share a lot of the same resources. And because we're both operated by the county, we also have a lot of the same bosses and connects and, and networks. So she was like, I want you to meet the people next door. So I go next door and there's two women. There is Jenny and there's Tabitha. Jenny was cool. Jenny was from the Virgin Islands. She was an older woman, probably about her mid 40s, maybe even early 50s. You know, black folks be looking good when they get a certain age. You don't know how old they are. But, you know, Jenny was cool. Jenny was, she was fun. Like over time, she'd be a really great resource to work with. Tabitha, on the other hand, I don't know what Tabitha's problem was. Tabitha didn't like nobody. Tabitha was mean. She was one of the people that went to work but didn't want to be there, so she took it out on everybody. Like, she she would never speak. She was just cold, stoic. I remember one time we borrowed a bowl from the rental office one time, and when I went to bring it back, she was like, just throw the bowl away. You don't even worry about it. Like, she was just disgusted by children, everything. And what was crazy is Tabitha and I rode the same bus. So when I was still staying at the Selena Hotel, you know, I'd get on the bus and she'd be on there and she still wouldn't speak. I'm like, what's her problem? So I felt some kind of way about it. And she would go outside and smoke her little cigarette and go back in the office. And so she was just a mean lady. She wasn't there that long. I was glad when she left. But I don't know what Tabitha's problem was. But I had smoke for her the whole time because some people... I just don't think you should work in a capacity where you have to be around people if you don't like people. I understand that because they work at the rental office, they got to deal with a lot of personalities and, and all the people that live in the neighborhood have to interact with them. But dang, if it is not for you, find something that doesn't force you to be in a space where you don't want to be in in regards to being around too many people. If you're not a people person, do something that does not require you to interact with the people every single day. You know what I mean? Like, maybe you go to the wildlife reservation and you live amongst the elephants. They're peaceful. They don't bother nobody. Now, let me tell you about this center. Now, after we had done the wonderful meet and greets that had gone so well with Terrellyn and Tabitha and Darlene, you know, after such great introductions, it was finally time to look at the center. And the first thing I always remember is 
I opened the door, and, and for some reason, I was able to tune out the sound, tune out the kids. I was just being really observant and just looking. The first thing I remember is I opened the front door, and immediately, I could see the back door. The back door was this door that was glass, and you could see the backyard. And mind you, the back door was only about 20 feet from where I was standing. So I was like, okay. So my whole theory about maybe there being more building on the backside is totally irrelevant because there is no more building on the backside. This is the building. What you see is what you get. And what I had gotten was I was standing in a multi-purpose room that was a pretty, you know, decent sized room. And then directly in front of me was a pathway to two rooms. To the left would be a computer lab. To the right would be a kitchen. Next to the kitchen was this closet that I did not have access to. And then down the hall to the right was another room that was operating as a closet that stayed locked. And then across from that room was a bathroom and that was the center they had pretty much taken a three or four bedroom apartment and gutted it out and turned it into a community center and so that was the first thing I remember I was like dang this is really really small this is way smaller than the place I interviewed at and even smaller than the center that we went at that was in the basement of the church like dang man this is actually smaller than the church my parents go to okay interesting but oddly enough for some reason in that moment something told me like you're gonna be here for a while like even though you're not really sure about this yet something was telling me you're gonna be here for a while like there's definitely a need here because then as I looked at the center right I was confused as to where the funding was going because first of all everything was kind of raggedy on the inside everything was run down everything was junky so let me just go room by room starting with the multi-purpose room as soon as you open the door to the center you're in the multi-purpose room this place didn't even have like a lobby where sometimes parents will wait in the lobby or you know when you're trying to sign in guests oh none of that as soon as the door is open you're in on the action and so as soon as you walk in the first thing i remember to my right was this big giant pool table and the pool table took about a third of the multi-purpose room but the kids weren't using the pool table as a pool table because half the parts were missing the two big sticks were gone i was told that some of the teenagers had gotten a fight with the sticks so they threw the sticks out and got rid of the balls and now the pool table operated as a table so all the kids would sit their backpacks and their coats on that table behind the pool table was a water fountain and that used to drip and leak and next to the water fountain was the trash can but the trash can wasn't a real trash can it was this big square cardboard box that had like a county logo on it and you just put a new plastic bag in it so you can imagine how terrible that box looked because you know the kids would have snacks and stuff and so every time they would throw their milk in the trash or toss it it would splash and get on the box and the box would just start to warp on top of the water that was dripping from the fountain so the trash can used to gross me out um to the left there was a foosball table but all the men on the foosball table were broken so it didn't matter what team you played with you're gonna be missing about two or three men no matter which team you were on and there were two legs on one side that weren't really stable so sometimes the table would fall over onto its side and I'd have to lift it back up and go get some screws and hammer and put it back together so you had that going there were two big giant box TVs that the kids played video games on because the center at the time had a PlayStation 2 and they had um what else did they have I think they had, oh, they had an Xbox so the kids used to play this game pump it up all the time there was this game pump it up kind of like DDR where you have the mats and you dance and you step on it so the kids always played on that and the thing that was crazy is like you had to take your shoes off to dance on the mat and the building didn't have the best ventilation and so when them shoes would come off and them kids had been running in and out all day and you know that Funyun smell starts to seep throughout the building I was like I, I can't take this and so yeah so they had the two big box TVs that set on these random fold-up tables um 
Also to the left, there were a few bookshelves with some books on it that had collected dust because nobody was touching them. Um, and then that was pretty much the main room. It had a few little posters hanging around, kind of like if you saw that Abbott Elementary episode where Tyler James Williams' character, they were trying to get him to decorate his classroom a little bit more, and he had those very, very generic posters. Almost the same thing in this multi-purpose room. And then there was one sign that had the kids' like homework points on it, something to kind of remind you that you were still in the community center. So that was the main room. I guess the kids called it the game room. That was it. I didn't see a lot of games. I didn't see a lot of anything. It was just kind of open space. And really, either you went in there to play on the broken foosball table or you played on the Xbox or the PlayStation 2. So then the next room was the computer lab. The computer lab, which actually was a nice room, it had 15 computers and then also had a computer for the staff member. Apparently that's where my desk was gonna be because I also did not have an office. My office would be in the room with the kids. I was like, great, so exciting. And so the computers didn't look too bad, but you know, a few of the screens had been punched out. So you had a few computers you couldn't use. Most of the computers did not have sound because the sound speakers had been blown out. They did have a box of headphones that the kids were supposed to use for the computers, but I think there might have been three headphones out of that box. It should have been about 15. They had the game closet in the computer lab. And so I remember opening the game closet and I was shocked at the lack of games. Like, first of all, all the games were old and missing all the pieces. You know, like Monopoly, Life, Sorry, all these games that require 850 pieces. And of course, there's pieces on the floor. There's pieces behind the desk. So none of these games have everything that you need. They even had $25,000 pyramid in the closet. I'm like, not $25,000 pyramid. My grandma used to watch that on the game show network. And mind you, the box was like sun bleached. Like it was supposed to be a certain color. But at that point, it was like a, a light peachy yellow because it had just been out for so long like it really had to be a game from about 1992 and then also in the closet for some reason was this vast collection of VHS tapes VHS like old videos just old I'm like I'm confused I'm trying to not you know judge because this is this is this is the place to be for now and I got to make this work so I'm just trying to see you know how we can make some of this stuff work um, we're gonna do the best that we can and then the thing with that desk that was supposed to be my desk, at that point Darlene was using it. Darlene had the desk set up where her computer would face against the wall. So she wouldn't even see any of the kids. Her back would be turned to all the kids when she get on the computer. So ain't no telling what the kids would do when Darlene got at her desk. And then, so that was pretty much the computer lab. I remember the walls, it was a, it was like the walls were red and then the, the frames of the door were painted blue. Um, and, and that was pretty much the computer lab. And then there was the kitchen. This is when I started to get grossed out and realized we're gonna have to make a lot of changes around here. And I was also getting annoyed because I'm like, how do y'all let people's kids, you know, this is the kind of space y'all let people's kids be in. Y'all, if when I think of a community center, I just think of a place that, you know, is just whimsical and magical for the kids. And I, I had not seen any magic yet, all right? It was dark-sided up in there. So the kitchen had a roach infestation. The entire center had a roach infestation, but you couldn't really tell until you got to the kitchen. Like you'd open a cabinet and you see the little roaches running around. It was all the little ones, not the big giant ones with the antennas, but a roach is a roach is a roach to me and so the thing I always remember is the roaches were in the stove and I don't mean like you open the oven and one walks around I mean like you look at the digital clock those little green letters and you could see the tiny roaches inside the clock walking on top of the numbers like behind that little plastic window thing on the, on the clock so you could look at the clock and see the roaches inside the clock I was like okay and they talking about it's about to be snack time oh 
Okay. All right. So I saw the kitchen and then, like I said, there was a closet that I had no access to. Also in the kitchen was another closet for the housekeeping staff that they had their own room, their own everything, own microwave, all that kind of stuff. And so like, yeah, the kitchen had the stove with the roaches in it, it had this really old refrigerator and a microwave. And then again, these cabinets that had not been cleaned out in forever. So there's all kind of things with six and seven legs walking around in this kitchen. And then there was the other room that pretty much operated as a closet like when i opened it i couldn't really get in the room because the door didn't open all the way there was so much stuff in there but this room was about the size of a bedroom so i was like okay maybe we can figure this out and turn this into a room because i kept thinking like there needs to be more space and then the last room was the bathroom and it was just you know one stall so it's a bathroom for both the boys and the girls and Darlene had told me, well, when you use it, when you go inside, you have to push the door really hard and then the door will pop up and then you can lock it. Like if you just go in the bathroom and close it and think you locked it, it is not locked and someone will walk in on you. So when you go in the bathroom, push the door really hard, it'll make the little sound. And when you see the handle pop up, that's when you lock the door. And that was the sensor. And so I just was like, as much as I wanted to judge, the thing that I noticed was that the kids loved this place. This place was everything to them. Literally every kid in the neighborhood was up in there. That place really could only fit about 25 kids, but there was definitely, you know, uh, 40, 50, 60 kids running in and out the doors every single day. And so what I had told myself is the same way these kids see this center is how I'm going to have to see it in order for this to work. Like the same joy that they get coming in here and playing on, the, you know, this handful of games or using the computers that don't have sound or the computers that have the screen busted out or having to deal with the Funyun smell as they play Pump It Up or, you know, vividly use their imagination as they play foosball with half the players. I'm going to have to have that same energy and investment or this is not going to work because I'm going to be ready to go. And the crazy part is, I didn't even realize Boss Lady left. Boss Lady left me. Like, there, there was no official training. There was no, this is how you do that. These are the people. It was like, no. She dropped me off. I met Darlene. I, 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 I met Terrilyn. I met Miss Glenda. I met Tabitha. I met Jenny. And I was on my own. She was like, have fun. And that was how my first day went. And so I spent the rest of the day in the center kind of just observing. And it was the longest first day because... To be honest, I was ready to leave. I was like, okay, I just need a day to process all this. I, I'm ready to go. But at the same time, where am I going? <laughs> like, you ain't going nowhere but today's end, so what is the rush, right? And so the first day, when it was all said and done, because I think we closed it about 7 o'clock, or maybe it actually was 5. It might have been 5 o'clock because it was still the summer. So we closed it at 5 o'clock that day. I left feeling very empty. And I remember walking to the bus and getting on the bus in my little suit. And I was like, <laughs> director, huh? <laughs> big director. Boy, what up? Some big shoes to fill around here. Then came day number two. And don't worry, I'm not about to tell you each and every day of what happened because I don't remember. But I do remember day number two very specifically because of the events that took place. So I remember I got on the bus. I had my suit on because, hey, I'm director. I'm going to look like one. Director, director, get to the center at about 11 a.m. And at this point in time, the center was in transition. They had just wrapped summer camp right before I started. Summer camp was from 9 to 5 every day. So the kids would be at the door at 9 a.m. They wouldn't leave till 5. And then when school starts, the kids get there at about 2 and they go home at 7 but the staff is there at 11 and so at the period that I was there it was that transitionary period where they're setting up for the school year so we'd come in at about 11 a.m. the kids would come in at or maybe around 1 o'clock and then they would go home at 5 and so I get to the center 
And like I said, I have had no orientation, no training. There wasn't even like a video that I had to watch to learn about what I was doing. Nothing. You know, when I met with Boss Lady the day before, we just went and signed all the paperwork, all the stuff that, you know, make sure you get paid and the tax information and some liability type stuff. And that was literally it. And next thing you know, I was dropped off and she was like, have a good time. And so I'm trying to figure out how to have a good time because I don't know how. I don't know what I'm doing. I can only base this work on my past work when I volunteered at a boys and girls club in the city and, you know, maybe my work when I used to teach dance. That's all I got right now. I'm lost. And, you know, I was under this assumption that I was going to come into this center and I'd have a team of, you know, maybe eight or nine people and I'd be in my director's office upstairs and I'd come down and shake some hands and go back to my office and go and make the money. And so here we are. I'm asking Darlene all of these questions about what, you know, what should I know? Darlene got an attitude because in her mind, she's like, you should already know this if you're the director. So me and Darlene already, I'm like, okay, now I let you slide with that cold fish handshake uh, yesterday, but don't get it twisted. Like, play around if you want to. You will be out of here. You know, I'm feeling myself, but in my mind, I'm like, I can't even fire her because I don't even know how to do this job. She got to be here at least until I know what I'm doing. And so we're having these random discussions and she's stoic and cold and I'm like okay so from what I understand it sounds like we work for both the company and the county I don't know okay she you know let me take my lunch break because she do one more thing I don't like so you know I'm walking to lunch you know we supposed to have 30 minutes but it take 15 minutes just to get to anything when you don't have a car so my lunch break has been an hour and 20 minutes I get back the landscapers are outside cutting the grass. It's like the guy riding on the lawnmower is going and going. And so he's riding right past the window. And I'm like, it sounds like he's really, really close. Like almost like he's crashing into the building. Next thing you know, the whole building starts shaking. We're having a freaking earthquake. I'm like, are you serious? And, and mind you, if you heard my earthquake episode, I had the worst phobia of earthquakes. One of the reasons I was happy to get off the West Coast was that I wouldn't have to worry about earthquakes anymore. And here we are, the building is shaking. In my mind, I'm like, you know what? This is the East Coast. None of the buildings here are retrofitted for earthquakes. So I'm trying to figure out how to get out. Darlene is like, I guess we should get out of here now. Looks like it's an earthquake. Like she just, she was always on level two every day. You couldn't get her excited about anything other than K-pop. And so, you know, I, I guess we should get out of here. So we get up, we're trying to get through the front door. The front door does not really open properly. Like it stays locked when we were in there when the kids weren't there and then we'd unlock it when the kids arrived. But you'd have to pull the door close to you in order for the gear to get into the place where it needed to be where you could unlock it. But because the building is shaking, we cannot pull the door to us because the door won't stay still long enough. And so I'm over here already seeing my whole life flash before my eyes. I'm like, well, I guess I lived all right life and everything. By the time we get the door open, the earthquake is over, you know. And so I go outside. The whole neighborhood has come outside. Everybody, because you know, earthquakes on the East Coast are not a common occurrence, right? And so I'm lost. Like, did this really happen? Look, that should have been the sign to get up out of there, but uh, so be it. And so the whole neighborhood has come outside. And then lo and behold, Tabitha comes outside. She has an attitude with the whole neighborhood because the whole neighborhood is currently outside. And in her mind, she doesn't think that we just had an earthquake. She thinks it's the landscaper that was just driving too close to the building. So she's telling all these people who were like, what just happened? Ain't nothing wrong. No, that was just the man on the lawnmower. Look, he gonna come around one more time. I don't know why y'all out here doing all this. And I'm like, uh, there was just an earthquake. We ain't had no earthquake. Yeah, that was an earthquake. No, that was the lawn, man. Because, ma'am. I'm from the West Coast. I know what an earthquake is. That is an earthquake. Why do you think people that are not even near our building are outside? I can understand why the people in this building
thing came outside if it was the lawnmower thing but look there's people coming from way over there okay the lawnmower would not affect them from way over there so then she realizes that i'm right and i guess the conversation just ends she goes on back inside and it's like all right y'all well it's over with now everybody go on back inside I just remember thinking, you know what, this is chaotic. I don't know how this is gonna work because Darlene got an attitude, Tabitha got too much mouth, I'm still at the Selena Hotel. This place is smaller than I imagined and somehow we're supposed to make a productive space up in here. This is, I don't know, man. And then it didn't help. To me, I was looking like, okay, this earthquake is a sign. Like, you know what? There's something more for me. It ain't this. And then it didn't help. That same weekend was going to be Hurricane Irene. I'm like, what is going on? And so I remember asking my Aunt Jackie, who, you know, my Aunt Queen's sister. I was asking if I could just stay with them the night of the hurricane because I really didn't want to be in the Selena Hotel during a hurricane. I didn't know how strong their roof was going to be. And so... I remember I stayed with Aunt Jackie during the hurricane. I slept on the couch. They had this dog named Bubbles. Bubbles was losing their mind during this storm. Bubbles was going through it. Because, you know, it's, it can sound kind of scary if you're a dog and it's a whole storm outside. So Hurricane Irene is just tearing up the DMV. Bubbles is going crazy. I'm on this couch. Bubbles then climbed on me, jumped down. Bubbles was a German Shepherd. Bubbles had been through it. And so by the time we got through the, the, the hurricane and the earthquake and the rest of that first week, I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to tell my parents that I was not happy because I had fought and clawed to come back out here and I was one who really believed in making stuff work. That's one thing. I will always stick something out and, and make it work. Even when I got to Howard, I did not like Howard my freshman year. I didn't really fit in. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was kind of the awkward one out, but I knew I was not going back to Spanaway. So I used to tell my parents, oh, I'm having a ball. Oh, it's a great time. It's amazing. And, and, and one step from crying in the room, but I was not coming home. And so with this, I was like, no, you fought and clawed to get out here. So we're going to make this work so the first week or two was very interesting because I really didn't get a chance to interact with the kids that much I had to go to a lot of meetings and most of the time the meetings were never at my center they would always be at another center or another location and remember I'm not driving yet my car is still in Spanaway Washington I'm on the bus I'm on the train and these meetings would be way out in Dale City Virginia or, or Dumfries Virginia or Silver Spring Maryland or somewhere in DC and so I'm walking around with my MapQuest printout you know trying to catch these different routes and everything and these meetings would be off the chain i remember the very first meeting i went to this was a meeting with me boss lady the staff from the center that was in falls church that was that was in the basement and the staff from another center that was in herndon virginia and also carrie the assistant and boss lady is frying us up going off on everybody about everything and i'm lost because i'm like well what am i getting yelled at for i just got here um so she's going off and you know because we are six hundred thousand dollars in debt Huh? How are we $600,000 in debt? Because that center I just came from ain't got no money in it. So I'm confused with where the money going. And so Boss Lady did a, did a, did a full 180 from the Boss Lady I met. Because the Boss Lady I met was, you know, whimsical and free-spirited and artsy. And I see that you're an artist. And that's what brought me to you. Because I saw something in you. Even though you didn't have a lot of work experience, I saw the gift that you bring to the children, to the world. And that's why I believe that you will do so great here. And so she done went from that to who wants some smoke next i was so confused i'm like uh and i was scared to ask her for a ride back to the center after the meeting because i'm like oh, oh, oh man so anyway 
had a bunch of chaotic meetings, right? And then the hardest part was there were so many names that I had to know because the way that my center was set up, it was a partnership setup. So there's the company. The company is pretty much what paid my salary and the salary of any staff that worked there. But the building was owned by the county and the county pretty much ran a grant that operated the center. And so I had kind of like almost really three bosses. There was my boss from the company. There was a boss that I had from the county that oversaw the grant that kept us open. And then there was even a boss for the computer lab like just the computer lab alone was a different team of people so I had like three bosses I had to report to so I had to know a lot of names a lot of Fairfax County folks I needed to know all the people at the headquarters office for the company as well as the county I needed to know the other center directors I needed to know the community partners I needed to know who was on the board I needed to know the board members I needed to know all the parents I needed to know the contacts at the different schools you know the contact for the elementary school the middle school the high school I also had a lot of kids that were, were immigrant families as well and so you also would have the ambassadors for families that may have come from the Middle East or Central or South America or West Africa or the Caribbean and so you had you know different translators and, and, and family ambassadors and everything else like that I needed to know the fire marshal. I needed to know the county supervisor. I needed to know the county delegate. I needed to know the service area manager. I needed to know who was in HR. Even there was this, oh my God, this lady, I, I don't even have a made up name for her yet. So I'm gonna just call her Miss Mean Spirited. There was this lady, Miss Mean Spirited that had been there for, she left about six months after I started, but that had to be the meanest lady I have ever met. She was from the county and all she would do is nag. And every time she came to the center, she would complain about how disgusting it looked. And I'm like man it looked like this before I got here so at some point what was the smoke for whoever got here before me so every time she came she nagged about why the center looked terrible and again in my head I'm remembering this conversation about six hundred thousand dollars in debt I'm like we don't even have any money to fix any of this get off of my back and then there was this lady Miss Gail who was a dancer Miss Gail was this older woman from Ghana she had to be about close to 70 and she was obsessed with making sure the kids knew how to do African dance but the kids didn't like her they didn't want to do it and every time she'd come they'd run out the back door and run home and she'd always come and she was she was a character because she used to come with her cassette player like literally a cassette player and play the same tape from about 1991 and then get mad because the kids didn't want to be there then there was another lady named Vesta who always needed dancers so the thing about my center was my center was this beautiful melting pot of all kind of kids from just all kind of backgrounds but the majority of my kids were black or they were West African but we also had kids like I said from the Middle East kids from Central and South America from the Caribbean like there was this beautiful mix but about 86% of the kids looked just like me and so the kids were very very talented you know you had dancers and singers and all these different things and so Vesta was always this lady who would always sign up my center for something and not tell me and then pull up and like hey I need like 15 of your kids to learn a routine by tomorrow you think you can do it no I can't um and so I also had to be like a county resource as well it was just there were so many names I had to know and then I remember some of the meetings would be confusing because sometimes I wouldn't realize if I was in a meeting for the company I was working for, a meeting for the people over the grants, or a meeting for the people with the computer lab, or a meeting with the people from the county. Just because in those first two weeks, I had been introduced to at least 100 plus people. And I could not fathom and, and, and put together who was who because there were just so many faces. And this is all before I can even really get to know the kids. So I was like, Lord. And it just didn't help because we didn't have money to do anything. Then at the same time, 
the Selena Hotel is like, all right, it's time for you to go unless you want to renew. And I had no more money. So I went ahead and I stayed with my Aunt Queen. This meant that now my commute would be even longer. So from now on, I will leave Queen's house, walk to the bus stop, get on the 49, take the 49 to the Glenmont Metro Station, take the Glenmont Metro Station on the red line, over to Gallery Place, switch over to the yellow, go to the end of the yellow, then get on another bus and go to work. And so it would take about three and a half, sometimes close to four hours to get to work, depending on how everything was working. So now I'm getting up every morning at like five or six to be at work by 11. Like it was chaos. So the first few weeks were very interesting. And then right after that, we had Staff Fun Day. And this was like Staff Fun Day with everybody, not just my center and the one in the church basement and the one from Herndon, but no, it was every center in the company. So it was all 18 centers, all the folks from the headquarters office, HR, market, everybody. So it's about 200 plus people here. And they're having this Staff Fun Day at Dave & Buster's. I'm like, oh, y'all got money in here because, I mean, the meeting I just came out of the other week where we got cussed out about this $600,000 we're in debt with. Looks like we ain't doing too bad around here. And so they have the, the staff fund day. Me and Carrie decided to, to run together at the staff fund day because she was really the only other person I knew kind of well because Carrie sometimes would come in and volunteer at my center on some days. So she was the only person I really knew that well other than maybe Alex. So we were kind of, you know, being observant at the staff fund day. And towards the end, they had this portion where they gave out awards. And I watched all these people get all these awards for great work and what they had been doing in their community centers. And I got a chance to kind of talk to some of the other people that worked at other centers and hear how they do things and what they do and I was getting a little confused because folks would be like yeah well you know we we started a basketball league in our fourth gym I was like fourth gym I ain't even got one you know well we we started a cooking club because you know we have an industrial kitchen huh Oh, because that kitchen I got is only three of the eyes work you know oh well we started a garden in the backyard Dang, we got a backyard, but we're not even allowed to touch it because we don't own it. It's a part of the complex. We can't even we can't even put a garden box back there. Cause even if you put a garden box back there, there's gonna be the foxes that come and tear up everything. Plus the skunks that keep coming from that creek and the possums and the cats that are coming from the shopping center behind us. Okay. You know, oh well, we we just got a grant to to go and, and use the pool. Well, I was told that, you know, my center doesn't qualify for grants because my center is not a full center and it's a feeding center from a larger center. So whatever the other center nearby gets, we get what's left over. And that's, you know, whatever they haven't spent. Oh, okay. So I just remember that's when I noticed, like, all right, I think my center's getting the short end of the stick around these parts. So I started having questions. Plus, I will say the one part that was inspiring was seeing everybody win all these awards. I remember thinking like, you know, one of these days, that's going to be me up there. And they're going to be like, oh, you know, Michael, blah, 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 this award. Michael, blah, 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 this award. And they're going to, you know, do a standing ovation for me. Because, I mean, folks were winning all kind of awards and presidential awards. And the, this person's been here for five years. And this person's been here for ten years. And this person's center had the most improved attendance. And this person's center won the award. So I was like, well, I want my center to win some stuff, too. So I actually left that a little motivated. Like, okay, I can do this we can make this center become a thing i just gotta get through all of the hooplas and the nonsense but i see something great here i don't know how i'm gonna turn it into fruition because i'm up against a lot but we gonna make this work side note i also got banned from ihop that same day that will be a different podcast episode for another time because that in itself is an hour to explain but just know there was a lot going on and around the same time I realized I needed my car my car was still at my parents house the same car that I fought and clawed to drive in the early episodes of the podcast you know it's back in Spanaway I need a car because I'm going through it you know I'm right now I'm living in Maryland I'm working in Northern Virginia but the thing is I'm back and forth between Maryland Virginia and DC and 
it doesn't quite work when you don't have a car because you know the metro is really really good when you have to go to the main checkpoints but when you have to go to some place that's not necessarily a hot spot for tourism or business sometimes the buses don't even go there and it, it just becomes a whole thing but the nail in the coffin was one of those days when I was coming home from work there was a storm and it had a flash flood and I just remember getting off that 49 bus and the water was up to my knees and mind you I'm still in my suit walking a few blocks in this downpouring rain the umbrella ain't helping because the wind's blowing sideways the rain's just hitting you in the face umbrella isn't doing anything if anything the umbrella gets blown inside out I was like dang it I need a car <laughs> this is a lot right and I think that day the bus had to drop me off in a different location because of the flooding in the street so they were dropping people off in, in alternate locations and you just have to figure it out from there so I was like, all right, I need a car. I'm, I'm over this. And around this time is when I decided I was going to start dressing down and wearing clothes that were more comfortable to work with children. Because at this point, I had gotten off of the director high horse. Clearly, it's just me and Darlene and all these kids. There's no point in wearing a suit. I don't have an office. And I'm going to pretty much be very hands-on. So we're going to have to start dressing the part. Now, let's talk about these kids. These kids were off the chain and when I say off the chain I mean like the chain had broken off and the chain was thrown 5,000 miles away and you couldn't find it that's how wild it was at this center when I first got there it was just chaos I mean kids running in kids running out kids on top of things kids inside of things kids outside of things kids outside when they supposed to be inside like what 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 is this place but you know the thing that I ended up loving over time is that the neighborhood had a waiting list for housing as far as people to get in and so I ended up pretty much having the same cohort of kids for the entire time that I was there so they got the luxury and I got the luxury for us to grow up together so in modern times the kids that would have been in first or second grade when I first started are now in college or they're in their senior year of high school which is really really cool the kids that would have been high school is when I started are adults and I mean adult adults like they're 28 they're 29 you know the kids that would have been in the lower end of middle school or the lower end of high school you know even them they're middle you know young 20s year old adults some of these kids now have their own kids some of them have gone on one one has a doctorate like it's really cool to see you know where everybody has gone but back then I, I couldn't even see the vision yet because I'm like it's off the chain so let's introduce you to some of these kids because some of these kids you're going to hear about a lot and like I said all of these names have changed but now this first group of kids is what I will call my early cohort. These are the kids that were most likely in the center between the years of 2011 and 2013. As we go through the different episodes, you'll be introduced to more kids, you'll be introduced to some of their younger siblings and, and, and more kids that will pop up. But these are mainly the kids that I saw every day and I'm about to go down the list of each and every one of them only because in the same way I got dropped off at the center with no real orientation, no real how to do anything, just figure it out. I kind of just want you guys to be in my same world. So I'm going to introduce you to all of the children that I first initially met when I first got there. And mind you, like I said, all the names have been changed, so don't worry. Anyway, here we go. So the first kid would be this kid named Chase. Now Chase was off the chain. Chase was wild, okay? He just lived in his own world. He just used to do things that didn't make sense. Chase was a first grader, all right? He's a really tall first grader. And he was also a kid that used to bite. So you couldn't always take Chase everywhere. Chase always has something going. The kids would be like, Mr. Michael, Chase just said he's gonna kill me. Chase, come, come, come here. Why did I tell you about saying that in public? Like, chill. And really what it is, he just had a very vivid imagination. So everything was a video game to him. Like he was a Power Ranger and all of us were the bad guys and he was saving the world. So that was Chase's world. Then there was this girl named Renee. Renee was a seventh grader. Instigator, all right, in all the drama. 
and she was always loud until it was time to do some work okay she knew about all the drama at school who was fighting who who had a crush on who who was gonna do what with who who got caught with who but as soon as you got to any kind of school related anything anything where she needed to speak up she got mute real quick start mumbling I used to be like all right Renee and then she had a younger brother Will who was in fourth grade Will was the polar opposite. He was actually really silly, but he was an old soul. You know, you could tell that he grew up around a bunch of different uncles. And Will was like a kid that got along with everybody. Like, I don't think he ever had an enemy in his life. Now, I will say, Will and I went through it a few times over the years. Even as he was an adult, I had to go and regulate a few things with Will. But Will was a great kid. And then they had a younger brother, JJ, who was in kindergarten loud everything was loud level 15 it didn't matter where you were at like you couldn't go to the library because he'd get everybody kicked out just loud for the longest we thought he was deaf in one ear we weren't really sure because you know kids would scream in one of his ears and he wouldn't hear a thing but I i'm not really sure if that was true or not if he was deaf but or deaf but he was just loud and he had this really really high-pitched elmo voice for the longest his voice did not drop until he was about in in ninth or tenth grade so he always had this really really high voice and there was this other kid named Antoine for the longest I thought Antoine and JJ were brothers because they were always together however I had learned that Antoine's mother was actually paying Renee which is you know Will's older sister the instigator paying Renee to babysit Antoine and some of Antoine's younger siblings who you'll get to meet in later episodes and so that's why Antoine and JJ were always together but they fought every day First of all, Antoine was pissed every day about something. Just just mad. I had never seen a child so angry in my life. He was always mad about something. And then him and JJ fought every day about any and everything. It could be something as simple as a pencil. We're doing homework. There was a pencil with a blue eraser one time. JJ took the pencil with the blue eraser and put the blue eraser in his pocket because he knew Antoine wanted the eraser. He put the eraser in his back pocket on top of that and then sat on it so Antoine couldn't get to it. So that's like the kind of stuff that they would fight about. JJ was in kindergarten. Antoine was in first grade. Antoine couldn't stand JJ. And so they fought every day. And then Antoine had an older sister, Tiffany, who was nosy all right nosy you couldn't do anything without her popping up you go take a phone call you know some 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 girl trying to call you real quick you trying to spit a little game in the back corner like hey well you know i'm gonna be off in about an hour but i can meet you and and you looking to the right and and guess who's watching and who's that tiffany aren't you supposed to be in other room coloring my mama said i ain't got to color no more because we supposed to be doing other stuff anyway <sighs> tiffany i'm gonna be in there in a minute can you please go finish doing what you're doing? No, I, I'll go after you tell me who you're talking to. L- look, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus, okay? He's on the main line and we're talking about you. Now keep it moving, little girl. Go. That girl was way too grown. And she was only in third grade doing all of that. And then there was this girl, Ashley, who was super, super smart. Ashley was also Darlene's favorite member. We weren't supposed to have favorite members, but we did have them. We would just never announce them to the rest of the center. But the kids knew who our favorites were. But Ashley was her favorite, mainly because Darlene was already into, like, The Sims and K-pop. Those were her two main things. Those were the only times you could get Darlene to get out of level two and maybe get to level five and a half. She just was never going to be excited about much. But, you know, they loved K-pop and, you know, she really loved The Sims. And so she got Ashley into that. So the two of them would sit there and play The Sims and stuff on the computer. And so Ashley was also in competition with this girl, Crystal, who was also really, really smart. They were the same age. They were both, you know, going to fifth grade 
and they were really just these really big overachievers at the time we used to have this this leaderboard and the board would calculate the points that kids would get when they would do their homework or do really good with an activity and of course when you had a lot of points it would allow you to go on field trips or get prizes and stuff and so they were always in competition the only difference is crystal was very very athletic and then there was the little sister Clarissa. Now she was the younger sister to Ashley. Clarissa was a fireball, still is today. She was the middle child, all right? Very opinionated, pressed to wanna to belong in everything. The thing about her was she, just like the younger sister Willow, which we'll talk about in a second, when she was younger, when she was still too young to come to the center before I got there, she used to stand outside the front door and, and like beg to come in, but they wouldn't let her in because you needed to at least be in kindergarten. And so when she finally was able to be old enough to come in, I mean, she took that opportunity and ran with it. She was the kid that was gonna participate in any and every activity. And sometimes we'd have activities that weren't for everybody. Maybe it's an activity that's only for the boys. And she was still gonna try to find a way and say, well, why can't I do it? That's not fair. And I was like, well, y'all have a program for the girls. This one is for the boys. Well, I want to be in both. Look, here's two quarters. Go get you something from the ice cream truck. This isn't enough. Uh, okay, listen, here's the deal. I'm going to do the program. If you leave me alone long enough to do the program with the boys, I will give you the other half, and you should have enough to get something from the truck. Deal? Now, I would learn to stop making these kind of deals because she was someone who could not hold water because now she's going to brag to everybody that Mr. Michael's going to be giving her some money to be quiet and leave him alone. And now the whole club wants to be quiet and leave me alone because now all of them want some money. And so, you know, those are just some of the things I'd have to deal with. And then they also had a younger sister, Willow, who was too young to come at the time. She was only about three and a half. But for some reason, she would always find her way in there. She'd always find a way to sneak past me. She'd come in with the whole group of kids when the bus came in. Somehow I would never see her. And she would have been in there for two, three hours having a ball. And the thing was, it wasn't that you wanted to kick the little, little kids out because you want to kind of serve all the kids. But the thing was, it was a conversation of liability. And as far as insurance, we weren't allowed to insure or cover any kids that weren't at least in kindergarten also a lot of times when the kids would bring in the younger siblings that were two and a half or three and everything sometimes they weren't potty trained or the kids dropped them into the center and then they run back outside and now you're watching little so-and-so sister who ain't got no shoes on and oh, whose child is this and so you know it, it was an issue but willow would always sneak in and the main reason why she was always there was because her mother would make her come to the center because she needed to get her hair done by this other girl named tiara tiara was best friends with Ashley all right remember Ashley is Willow's oldest sister and, and Clarissa's oldest sister and so Tierra would do you know Willow's hair and they'd be in the corner with the flat iron and the grease and the comb and all this stuff I mean Tierra had a whole hair salon in the corner set up I'm like wait wait a minute y'all wait a minute we supposed to be reading and so Willow would be in that chair screaming because Tierra's doing her head too rough and I'm like all right and the funniest thing is you know Tierra was 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 funny to me because she was in sixth grade and she was no punk she wasn't scared of nobody and it was crazy because she was really small for her age but she had hands she she had heart too okay she no punk all right you ain't nobody about to punk her she had older brothers and even if she got in a fight and lost she knew who she could call to go and handle things and so I liked Tierra Tierra had some fight in her so that's what I liked about her and then there was another girl that they ran with so like I said Tierra and Ashley are best friends as well as the girl um Crystal and then there was another girl Nikki that was in the mix now Nikki was a little bit different Nikki was a little snobby to be honest you know her mama had that real bad attitude and rubbed off on the kids and so Nikki thought she was better than everybody all the time and her brother Tevin was exactly the same way those two swore that they 
they were the, 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 the flyest kids in the center better than everybody not anybody could just talk to them they weren't going to just play with anybody if we were doing certain games certain people couldn't be on their team or they weren't going to play they, they used to get on my nerves i'm like i don't know who told y'all <laughs> like somebody lied to y'all several times and told y'all and again they're children so it's like you can't fry them up you don't want to kill their confidence but it's like man lord i don't know what y'all mama did to y'all anyway there was this teenager, Dre. Dre was a sophomore, teenage male, trying to find his way. Mind you, most of these kids I'm describing are pretty much all black kids. Either they're all black or they're West African, the majority of them. Um, and so, you know, Dre was this kid trying to find his way, right? Trying to just really figure out where he fit in. He was a kid that rapped, talented, easygoing kid, like really easygoing, actually had good grades. Um, he was kind of friends with this kid, Dennis, or at least he thought he was friends with Dennis. Dennis was just kind of this kid that ain't like nobody. Dennis was one of the older ones when I first got there. He was pretty much on his way out the door because he was already, I want to say, he wasn't a senior. I want to say he might have been, um, he was a freshman when I got there. So he was kind of one of the old ones, cocky, full of himself, swore he knew it all, couldn't tell him anything. And so... He was a character. He was one I'd have to check a few times as well and have to bring that ego down. Like, listen, cool, I'm, I'm glad that you're feeling yourself, but you have to still be likable. You know, in order to make it in this world, you can't just be terrible to folks because you never know what doors are going to open or close based on how you made other people feel because he would definitely fry up folks. He had no problem going toe-to-toe with grown folks either. So I used to have to check him on that on occasion. And then there was another kid, Donnie. Now, Donnie was one of my favorites. I'm not even going to lie. That might have been my favorite, favorite kid. He was in kindergarten, and I I still remember Somehow I met him because he was sitting at the table crying, and he couldn't explain to me why he was crying. He was just crying to just cry, and I don't know what made me connect with him, but he was one of my favorites. He was athletic, really quiet, easygoing, and in my book, he could do no wrong, and as he got older, he kind of started to realize that. So he would take advantage of that sometimes and do all kind of terrible stuff. And I would still act like I didn't see it. He'd be so off the chain. Um, and then he had a brother, Clay, who was my other favorite. Clay was older. So so Donnie was in kindergarten. Clay was in second grade. You know, Clay was just as great as Donnie. Just a little bit more mature. Two of my favorites. It's crazy because they're like grown now. So it's funny to look back at these stories. But those were two of my favorites. They came from such a, a lovely family. Their dad was around. And the dad was cool and used to bring snacks and stuff he was involved and you know the mom was was loving so they 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 got enough love at home where they knew how to display it in public and so they were great kids there was another kid alan um oh lord alan whoo i still have to cuss out alan on occasion today alan was off the chain okay i don't call kids bad because it just means they need something to do but Alan needed stuff to do all the time and he would only show up when it was time for snacks or field trips he would never do no homework wouldn't be there for no programs but as soon as he saw the bus pulling off here he comes running out of his you where y'all going don't worry about it we're going to the library you know I try to say someplace I know he don't want to go I, I want to go you supposed to do homework today you didn't do homework and your parents didn't bring the permission slip so you can't go but Miss Darlene is in there if you want to do something I don't want to go with her okay well I'll see you when we get back pull right off all right then there was a girl monica now monica was the bully of the neighborhood okay third grade bigger for her size to be a third grader you might have thought she was an eighth bully always sent home every day for something she just mouth ain't scared of nobody tell you about yourself knew how to cuss and cuss with the right context the right grammar everything and then it didn't help her mama was just as off the chain the mama used to come and want to fight us sometimes like sweet girl like even today i still keep up with her but back then monica was off 
the chain. I expect Monica, this is not how we do things. Like, why are you choosing to make life so difficult when it ain't gotta be? Like, yo, we just making puppets right now. Why are you about to throw hands because this girl don't want to share her paper bag with you? We only had so many paper bags. You decided to take yours and ball it up and throw it at somebody, and now you're mad because the other kid doesn't want to give you theirs? That's not how this works. Like, Monica just lived in another world. And then there was this other girl, Erica, who was a high schooler. Very, very quiet. Um, she had a lot of issues at home. Sweet girl, but had been through a lot, seen too much, and it reflected in how she carried herself. Um, I, I recently ran into her some years ago, and you know, I'm glad to see that she's doing well, but she was one I used to worry about. Then there was another girl, Regina, teenager, all right? Another teenager who's kind of just trying to find her way. I would say she was the most responsible teenager out of that group. I never had to really get on her about stuff. And she was somebody who also kind of carried herself really, really well. Like, she wanted to make sure she made her mom proud. And she just was easygoing. So she was one of the the teenagers that I was able to click with really quickly. Because the thing with a center, when you're a new person coming in to take over, teenagers are usually the hardest to win over. The little kids don't care as much. As soon as you give them a few games and toys and candy, y'all are good. Teenagers, they've built those relationships with the adults that were once there and so you coming in as a new one it takes a minute but she was one of the first ones to really like take on and at least give me a chance then there was Carlton Carlton was my oldest kid he was a senior at the time goofy goofy he was on his way out the door right he was gonna go and join the marines just he was such a cornball but such a nice kid but just so goofy I used to have used to be like Carlton bruh work with me man um i still actually keep up with carlton as well carlton is definitely about 29 now it got to be about 29 maybe even 30 um because yeah he was a senior um when i got there and when i got there i was a brand new 23 like i had just turned 23 two weeks before i started so we were only a you know about five years apart so yeah he's definitely up there in age now and then there was coretta Coretta was the cry baby of the group. Cried every five minutes. She was in second grade. The wind blew. You know, the rain. We, I don't know. It was snack time, and they didn't have any more of the kind that she wanted. But there were still five other choices. You know, they're in line for the video game, and she went to the bathroom, and she thought somebody took her turn. I'm like, oh my god. And then she used to do gymnastics. So then she'd do a flip, then fall and hit her. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, Coretta. And she had the very, very overprotective parents just off the chain. Like, it was kind of like the parents where, you know, they call the police if they haven't seen their child after 30 seconds. When, when mind you, the child is upstairs in their room. That, that's kind of the kind of parents she had. They overprotective, very loving parents, but I used to be like, relax. Like, just relax a little tiny bit, please. And then there was RJ. At the time, RJ was in fifth grade, and he had to be one of the most respectful kids I had ever met never had a problem with him as far as how he spoke to adults like he was always very respectful to adults however he did not get along with any of the kids if there was one kid that probably fought the most in the neighborhood it was rj rj was always in a fight with somebody always something he always had some mess going i used to be like what the heck like what why is it that when i'm around or you and i are doing something you you are like you know god sent and as soon as i leave the room and you in there with the other kids now y'all throwing hands what just happened in two minutes like dang i was what so yeah rj was a character rj yeah for some reason i I don't know he just did not get along with the other kids he didn't even get along with his siblings to be honest and then there was calvin all right and so calvin was best friends with will remember that kid earlier that i I said like got along with everybody who was the old soul yes calvin and will were best friends 
Look, Calvin was also a Leo, stubborn, just like me. That's why I named him Calvin on here. All right, stubborn, okay? He he was one of my favorites, but man, if he got set in his ways, you couldn't get him to budge from anything. And so when he got into his pocket of attitude about whatever he was mad about, I'd have to check him. And mind you, his mother was Miss Glenda, the lady that was holding baby Cedric. So Calvin lived directly upstairs. And so it would be funny sometimes because Calvin used to do stuff just to get on my nerves. Like he knew sometimes like, there would be certain days where we'd have like the reading time where it was supposed to be like super quiet the kids are reading he knew that his room was directly above where where what would eventually be the library is because of course i definitely went and read to the center so sometimes he would just go upstairs and stomp in his room because he knew we'd hear it i'd be like calvin when you... all right i'm gonna get you later all right since you want to be funny then there was peewee Pee-wee was another kid who was not supposed to be there. He was too young. He still had two more years of waiting before he was old enough to start kindergarten. But he found his way in the center almost every day. He was RJ's younger brother. There was five of them, but he was like, I think he was number three. He was the middle child, technically. And so he was off the chain. He used to come in there with a pull-up on, talking trash, cussing. I'm like, how are you still wearing a pull-up, but you know how to cuss? What are the priorities over at home? I mean, he used to let us have it sometimes. Just come in ready for war. I'm like, little boy, go back home. Just go, go, go home. Pee-wee was just, man. And when I say he could cuss, I mean verb subject agreement. He had it down. He cussed like he was 45. He cussed like he had been here before. That's how much he could cuss. I'm like, why do you cuss so well? Couldn't even read. Knew all the bad words. Knew how to, I mean, cunt everything. He called you all the names. <laughs> I used to be like, what kind of child is this? And so, yeah, he, he was one of five. And then they had another sister, LaShawn. Now, LaShawn was the second oldest. It was RJ, LaShawn, Pee-wee, and then they had two younger siblings that you guys will get to meet later down the line. LaShawn was the diva. All right, diva with the attitude. Mean to the kids that she did not like, but she was also very responsible. She was kind of like one of those older siblings that has to raise the other siblings. And so I remember I'd always see her pushing the stroller with the younger siblings. So little Pee Wee would be walking next to her and then there would be the little brother and the little sister in the stroller that she was pushing and they'd be at the playground by the swings. And so, you know, LaShawn just was no nonsense. She ain't put up with no with no kind of mess. Now, I, she ended up being a favorite as she got older. She's off in college now, but you know, LaShawn, just diva all right them other kids knew she was not the one to mess with because she would tell you about yourself and not feel bad about it like she could make the other kids cry and just stare at them while they're boohooing and be unfazed with whatever she had just said and then there was this kid Otis who was in love with LaShawn he was in love with LaShawn and he was in love with Clarissa and neither of them would give him the time of day for some reason I liked Otis though. Otis was goofy. He used to crack me up because he was just a ball of good energy. He used to just have us rolling because he was just so funny and didn't even realize it. And so the only beef I have with Otis is that he used to beg for food. That used to be so irritating. And it wasn't because he wasn't eating at home because to be honest, most of them kids at the center were eating very well at home. They weren't missing any meals. And so I remember I got pizza for the entire center one time. Like I was like, you know what, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to reward the center. We're going to have pizza today. And as soon as they finish the activity, we're going to have this pizza that I got from Domino's. So I got all this pizza from Domino's, put it in the oven, closed the oven, and the kids are supposed to just get off the bus, do their activities, and then surprise, pizza. And so Otis gets in the door, hasn't even taken off his backpack, coat, anything. He starts sniffing. <laughs> I smell pizza. I, I smell pizza. Mind you, he's like first grade. I'm like, Otis, keep that. I and I, I want to tell them to shut up, but you can't tell the kids to shut up. Otis, I smell pizza. It's coming from the kitchen, guys. It's coming from the kitchen. And the, the whole club is running. I'm like, gosh, Otis, be quiet. You talk so much. 
Um, and so yeah, Otis was was funny, but yo, he he loved him some Lashawn and he loved Clarissa. Now Lashawn wasn't having it because she was in third grade. She ain't dealing with no kindergarten first grader. She she too that's too young for her. She wasn't dealing with it. And then like I already said, I talked about Crystal. That's Ashley's other best friend. That's the girl that's really really smart, very athletic. She's the tomboy of the group, very goofy. She's also someone who got along with every. Body. There was no way for you to not like Crystal. Crystal got along with everybody. Just good energy all the time. Then there was Sean. Sean was actually Egyptian, which was very interesting. But he was funny because I always said he was a little schemer, all right? He never listened to his mama. He always had some mess going on. He had an older brother that had been detained by, like, the federal government or some some some, some weird stuff, right? Um, nice kid, but the problem was their father had just died right before I got there. So, you know, he was taking his mama through it at the time. The mom was a really, really nice lady. But he just, you know, he was trying to figure out life. And I think to lose a parent as a teenager is a challenge in itself. Um, and then the mom was already disabled. So, of course, you know, you're a teenage boy and now you don't really have any authoritative figure to kind of, I don't want to say regulate, but, you know, at this point, you're, you're, the mom needs you to take care of her. So he just had a lot on his, his shoulders. Um, and then there was Muhammad. His family was from Pakistan. You know, he was goofy. Goofy. All, good sense of humor. He kind of got on our nerves in the beginning, and then we learned to love him as, as the years progressed. Because he was always caught up in some nonsense. But his parents were not feeling us at all. Like, his parents did not want him coming to the center. At all. <laughs> and it would be so funny, because his parents were always doing the most. And mind you, he was in about 8th or ninth grade. So, you know, like the other teenagers, he probably cussed and smoked cigarettes like the rest of them. And so it was interesting to see how his parents used to come and, and react towards us as if we were beneath them and I'm like don't have me say what I'm really thinking because I can really hurt some feelings up in here but whatever but Muhammad was a great kid and then there was Sherry she too was in high school no 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 actually she wasn't in high school yet she was a middle schooler she was in seventh grade very very quiet quiet so quiet and it used to drive us crazy because sometimes she used to act a little slow we used to be like Sherry you good and she was good she just didn't do a lot of talking um but she was very nurturing so a lot of the little little kids like to be around her they'd be all up under her all the time but but Sherry would drive me crazy in the later years because I had her work for us at one point that those would be some stories to tell and then there was Naomi. This was another one. Her and, and Sherry were like best friends, same age group. Naomi was bossy, but also quiet. And she was another one who had a lot of responsibilities where she had to kind of help take care of her mom. Sweet girl, but she could be bossy and put her foot down when she needed to. So when it came to a teenager that the little kids probably didn't want to test, they didn't like to test Naomi because she stayed ready to swing on somebody. I'd have to remind her, you cannot touch other people's children because their parents show up ready for war. And it's not going to be war with you. It's going to be war with me. So we're not doing that. All right. Then there was another girl, um, Hannah. Now, Hannah was in fifth grade. Now, Hannah, to be honest, she was a little different, all right? I don't know if she was really quite playing with a full deck, but she was a sweet girl, sweet, sweet girl in her own world. You know, she didn't really play with the other kids, and I used to get mad because sometimes the other kids would take advantage of her and use her to get things that they wanted because they knew she would be, you know, the one to go and do it just because sometimes the dots did not quite connect, and that used to set me off, and I used to light up the other kids when they would do that to her. I, it used to piss me off so much. And she had a brother, Micah, who was this high-energy kid in third grade, obsessed with the foosball table. He was on that thing every single day, even when the table would be broken. If the table was broken I, and I hadn't got over there to fix the legs yet and the table was leaning he'd still be trying to find a way to play foosball while the table's leaning he'd make it a new game so now the ball's rolling down the table and he'd find a way to try to hit it up into the goal and roll back up the table he was going to find a way and his best friend was this kid Pedro now Pedro was Salvadoran all right they were best 
friends. Pedro was a funny kid too. Lots of energy. You know, now Pedro hated school with a passion. Could not stand school. He used to drive us crazy when, when it was homework time. But it also taught me just how difficult it can be sometimes, especially when English is your second language, how hard it is to learn English because English is such a stupid language when you look at it from the outside looking in as far as the rules and what happens with grammar. And We got silent letters and, and letters that make new sounds when you combine them. And, and so to go from learning Spanish and English at the same time, you know, phonetically and how to write things, that can be a challenge. So yeah, we he was, I got some great practice working with him on how to kind of teach to younger kids that, you know, English was not their first language as far as how to read. Then it was Theo. Theo was obsessed with that Michael Jackson dance central game on um, Xbox. He loved that game, all right? Played that game every single time we plugged up the Xbox. Every five minutes, He's ready, and I mean, he he went hard. He was a really big kid for his age, too. Really huge kid. He was only in about third grade, but he weighed more than me. At the time, I was about 120 pounds. He at least was about 140. Like, he was a huge kid. Nice kid, though. And then there was Damon. Damon was this super, super genius kid. He wasn't even like the other kids. He wasn't thinking about the same things they were thinking about. He was wearing his penny loafers to the playground, right? You know, he would always have some concoction that he built and bring to the center, but then nobody else could touch it, only him, and he would just show everybody, you know? And now, he was always sickly, too, for some reason. He was always sick and had pink eye or coughing or something when he was little. I used to be like, what the heck, man? And he was allergic to chocolate. He couldn't do nothing. Uh, but he ended up being one of my favorites as he got older as well. Really, really great kid and so I am going to pause with the naming of the children but those are the main ones that you you're gonna hear about a lot in the beginning like those were the main ones that I was first introduced to so like I said there were a lot of people I had to meet you know staff members board members people from the county people from all the different organizations the kids the parents it, it was a lot and so in the beginning I had to learn how to just get through the hang of the day and so the way that the day would start once school kicked in pretty much we had downtime till two o'clock and during that downtime that would be all the planning so me and Darlene would do all the planning for what we were going to do that day the different activities and again we don't have a football field we don't have a basketball court we don't have all this elaborate stuff we literally have pretty much two rooms that we're operating out of so we have to be very very creative in order to get things done we have to make up games we have to find different things off the internet anything to keep the kids stimulated because again you know having 30 40 50 kids in a space for a handful of hours and keeping them occupied can be a challenge. You know, you don't want to have kids from different age groups all in the same space because they all have different things that they're interested in. But unfortunately, we didn't have that luxury because we really only operated out of two rooms. So we had to find ways to keep everybody locked in. And so I remember when I first got there, before I started implementing some changes, pretty much they only played video games every day the kids would come in there video games all day every day and folks from the neighborhood that didn't even really come to the center would show up for snack and then play the video games and then you know the teenagers would sit around in the corner and flirt and goof off and do what teenagers do little kids are you know all over the place the middle schoolers are chasing each other and breaking stuff and that was pretty much the day like you know the kids would get there you know high school got there at two middle school got there at about 3 15 elementary got there at four they do homework for that one hour and then it was just free time free for all and I'm like okay this ain't gonna work like I see why the center looks the way it does and why it's operating the way it does it because there's not a lot of structure and to be fair Darlene was there by herself but at the time that I got there and even before I got there the fact that there was only two people to run a center with all them kids I'm like are y'all crazy and so I was like oh we're gonna definitely make some changes around here and then there were also some things that I would have to do that I did not want to do like learning how to drive a bus 
Now, one of the requirements that I would have to abide by in order to qualify for this position was that I would have to be able to drive a bus. Now, this is not like the big giant school bus with 60 seats. I'm talking like the kind of bus you drive if you were driving a short bus. You know, it's like the short bus with maybe 15 seats in it. We had to learn how to drive one of those. And so I remember Alex took me and Carrie on the same day and we had to learn how to drive this thing. And I'm not going to lie, I was terrified because first of all, I already, you know, I'm a good driver now, but I wasn't the most confident driver at that time. And you know, I was used to driving in Spanaway. You know, Spanaway is this nice, quiet town. The roads are empty sometimes. And, you know, I didn't really go to Seattle that much. I didn't go to Tacoma that much. But I was used to the back roads, all right? I wasn't on the freeway like that. And the DMV is a very different driving experience from a place like Pierce County, Washington. Like D.C., Maryland, Virginia, you got to fight for your life when you get on the road. So you got to come out there already ready. You got to come out ready for smoke. Because folks in the area just drive all kind of loony. I always say people in Virginia drive like they're not sure. Folks in D.C. drive like, you know, they're in a rush to get somewhere. And folks from, from the PG County, Maryland drivers, I don't know what's in the water, but they, they drive like they got a death wish. Okay, I'll never forget the time I was sitting there waiting. I was behind two other cars and the car behind me. <gasps> like yo what the hell like bro we're at the drive-thru we're at bojangles okay i can't go to the two cars in front of me go so we just gonna sit here and wait like what the heck like maryland drivers man you want to talk about rage they will take you there but yeah so i was very nervous about driving this bus and it didn't help that in order to drive it, you had to drive the bus in all these different you know environments so we had to get on the freeway we had to get on all these different things and this bus was not the newest bus to be riding and it already looked like it needed a little extra help just getting to the venue anyway so i was nervous but oddly enough I did pretty good. It was just like driving a regular car, only you're sitting a little bit higher and the vehicle's a lot wider. Speaking of buses, I remember this one time we were taking some of the teenagers to this government building. The teenagers, we had some that could dance and they wanted to have a place to practice, but we just didn't have the space in the center and there were too many little kids running around. And so I was able to negotiate with one of the people in the county to let our teens use. There was a teen center that the county operated that wasn't too far away. And so we were on our way to the initial meeting just to meet with the people at the center and let them see the space and the teenagers would get to meet everybody. And then, you know, after that, they get to go there once a week. And so it's me, it's Darlene, and it's about about 10 teenagers on the bus and we're riding we're riding down the road and this is a road where the right lane is going to disappear and merge into the left so it was a three lane road and the far right lane would disappear and it would go into two lanes and so we're in the far right lane Darlene is driving she's in la la land she got the k-pop playing she was really obsessed with that group 21 or 21 at the time they had that song can't nobody uh, and i'm the best that she used to just play over and over and over and so we're riding and she merges over into the left lane but she's not paying attention because there's a car in the left lane and she almost takes out this car on the left lane right the other car I was like, oh my gosh. Mind you, I looked at the car and I saw the Maryland place. I was like, oh Lord, it's about to go down now. And we look and it's these two black women in the car that's to our left. And they are cussing Darlene. Like, you stupid, you know, going in. So I already know if something goes down, Darlene can't fight. I, I just know it. I, I, I see it. And then she has that long, long, she has really long hair that ran down to like the back of her knees. I was like, there's no way. She wouldn't even be able to tie all that up fast enough. And so the two women are going, and I'm like, Darlene, 
just drive and look straight eventually they will move on not darlene she ain't no punk either so she starts rolling down the window and it's one of the windows that you actually have to crank and roll down there's no button so i'm watching her roll the thing down i'm like darlene i'm telling you let it go let nope and so so she looks out the window have a nice day i was like oh my god them girls was like what what why did these people in this Maryland car follow us all the way to the government building? They met us in the parking lot. I was like, shoot. And I was like, Darlene, stay on the bus. Just stay on the bus. All the teenagers are hyped. They want to see if Miss Darlene can fight or not. And so we're sitting in the parking lot. The two women have pulled in front of the bus with their car, waiting for us to get out. And I'm like, dang, Darlene, that's why I told you not to say nothing. And she's like, I will just call the police. And I'm sitting here looking like, Darlene, do you realize how much time it's going to take the police to get here? You know how much stuff they can do by then? Like, these two women are not playing with us. And you over here running around like you got everything figured out. Like, you can't fight. And I don't even think these teenagers on the bus like you enough to want to have your back and jump in if something goes down. You know what? I'll get off the bus. I'll go and I'll go talk. Because I feel like... I can I can make some magic here happen because literally the two women really pulled in front of us like we it was like we couldn't go nowhere we're gonna have to address them so I get off the bus I walk over there hey ladies how y'all doing mm-hmm. y'all know y'all effed up right well listen let me let me just say this we apologize I don't know why you know she didn't notice that you guys were in the lane but you know sometimes when we're driving the bus you know sometimes we're distracted by the kids we can't see everything and so I'm trying to really bring it on down I'm looking at the bus I'm looking at all these faces they're watching because they want to see if Mr. if Mr. Michael about to get beat up too and so you know I'm trying to bring them down because these two women are hot and mind you these are the women they're probably in like their 40s and 50s they're not even really super super young but they just ain't got time for no nonsense and I and I understood and so you know, I'm trying to talk them down like, you know, you know, and plus, you know, we're, we're just trying to do a good thing with the kids here. You know, I brought them out here so they could have a place to practice and rehearse. And so I didn't gave them this long speech. You know, I'm long winded. I was doing everything I can to bring her down because I knew if Darlene said one more thing, it was over for her. And so the women were like, you know what, brother, you all right with me. We respect you because you came out here. You came and talked to us. But that Janair, she got another thing coming. You tell her I said the next time. And I'm like, oh, OK. So they, they give me the message and they pull off. I go back in the bus and I'm like, hey, Darlene, just so you know, they wanted you to know that the next time you cut them off and decide to pop off at the mouth, you better make sure you have some Nike boots on. And then all the teens, ah! I'm like, <laughs> and for me, I kind of enjoyed all of that. Because mind you, like I said, Darlene has been rude to me all year. Like, I don't really care for her that much. We, we work together. I'm trying to be cordial. I understand that she's been there for like nine years. Like she was in the company for nine years. And I think she was at that specific site for, for two or three. So she's kind of drained out from working with for all the years i understand but dang it was like your energy sucks and then you just need to be aware of the situations that you're in like what if i wasn't on the bus that day what were you gonna do because them kids was gonna let you get beat up speaking of fighting and this goes back to what i said about darlene never having any energy i remember i was in the computer lab darlene was supposed to be in the main room but i think she was in the kitchen at some point this other kid ran to me in the lab was like mr michael fight fight it's like huh i go in the main room it is rj and calvin they are wrecking i mean they're going in tearing up this whole center it's one of them fights where it just moves and again these are only like fourth and fifth graders but they're bigger fourth and fifth graders again these are a lot of these kids were really big for their size so i mean they're going and knocking chairs over knocking stuff over and i'm like oh heck no and i'm looking at darlene and she's like rj calvin stop i'm like that is I had to run in there and snatch one on you stand over here. I'm trying to pull. Darlene, grab the other one. We're not allowed to. Shut up, Darlene, and grab the other one before they break and kill somebody. And so she finally, you know, holds the other kid down and we pull them apart. And all all the kids are watching. Everybody's in the room. Oh, all y'all just everybody get out. Everybody get out except for these two. All y'all go to the playground. Go, go. 
right? So he had to have a whole meeting with the parents and everything. It was all over a bike. So RJ had touched Calvin's bike and Calvin didn't like that RJ touched his bike without asking. And so that became an entire fight. But that was the day I looked at Darlene like, this is why the center be doing what it does. Like you, I, sometimes you're gonna have to be realistic. If, if two kids are, are wrecking and beating each other up, I understand you're saying we can't touch the kids, but you can definitely separate two kids that are, are beating each other up. I understand if it was high schoolers, yeah, I ain't breaking that up either because you ain't busting me up in my face, but some fourth and fifth graders, both of y'all moving, sit down somewhere. And like, as soon as I grabbed one, the other one kind of fell back and stopped right away. Like they knew I wasn't playing with them. So that's why I was looking at Darlene, like you you letting them get away with too much. And it's so funny, you, you doing that now, but when we was on that bus, you was ready to fight the two ladies in the Maryland car in the Chevy Impala with the tinted windows. Now you you don't have energy to break up two kids. Okay. With that being said, there were going to be some changes around here. First change was going to be that Darlene was going to be leaving. And it wasn't because I got rid of her. I did absolutely nothing. Actually, Darlene had just kind of reached her wit's end with working in youth development. And she wanted to do something different. And she decided that she wanted to be closer to her family. And so she was actually going to relocate further south into Virginia and be closer to her family. And, you know, for me, I was totally on board with it. Because I was like, finally, they can give me somebody in here that I can actually work well with. And even though I'm not going to lie, I was very nervous. Because at that point, I'd only been there for about two months. Her last day was going to be October 30th. And there wasn't even a conversation about who was coming to replace her or anything like that. And so I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because I was like, am I going to be able to really do this? Because as much as she worked my nerves, she was a great resource in regards to some things when she was, you know, in a good mood. But when she was all pissy and had attitude, I couldn't stand it. So, you know, when she left, I was like, oh, okay. And I remember when she announced to the kids that she was leaving. I thought it was going to be a moment where all the kids start crying and they don't want her to go. Man, them kids started jumping up and celebrating and high-fiving and dancing and I'm like dang man y'all are rude I felt bad I had to yell at the kids hey 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 excuse me excuse me even though inside I was loving all of it like yes <laughs> knew I wasn't crazy but um yeah so she was gonna be leaving which meant that I needed to have a new person in there and then just with my luck around that same time there was this young girl that came in there this girl Ava Ava, who at the time, I thought she was like a, a teenager. I didn't know she was grown. Ava had come in there with her boyfriend. And, you know, they both looked young. They looked like they were teenagers. So I thought they were high schoolers. I'm over here asking them what school they go to. And they looking at me like I'm crazy. And somehow, I don't know how Ava heard this conversation, but Ava heard that we were hiring. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for a, a, a job right now. And I'm like, oh, well, you got to graduate, you know, school first. She's like, oh, I'm like 20. Oh, Okay, all right, and so you know, gave her the information and all the stuff about the interview. And mind you, Boss Lady at the time was also working on bringing in another person, and so you know, we went through that whole process. And she was going to be interviewing later down the line, and I, I was excited. In the meantime, we had also been invited to this big event where they were going to get a chance to meet a bunch of celebrities celebrities like LeBron James and Jennifer Lopez and Ashanti, Denzel Washington. And I was like, oh, this is so dope. And the thing was, only one group of kids was going to get to go and really it was only going to be two kids total and it was going to be two kids total from the three clubs that you know were in our region the Herndon Club that was in Herndon Virginia the club that was in the basement at the church and then the club that I was at and so only two kids out of them three clubs and I was like well I want to go like I definitely want to go and boss lady's like well whoever goes has to drive the bus in DC to take the kids there and I'm like hell Okay, I still do it. I want to go because I want to meet me some celebrities and all this other stuff. And so I fought and clawed to get two of the kids from my center to get to go, but I lost. It was my boss was like, either you get to go or your kids get to go. <laughs> Which one do you want? And that week the kids got on my nerves. So I'm like, I'm going. They ain't going nowhere because they don't deserve it. 
And so, uh, Boss Lady ended up picking these other two kids. Mind you, my kids didn't have a shot. They already had the two kids they wanted because at the time, my center had a reputation for having children that misbehaved. So my center was never in the running for anything. They were lying, okay? I'm not that stingy. I wasn't gonna let the kids not get to go so I could go. But anyway, they had these two kids picked from the, the club that was in the basement. And so it was gonna be me and those two kids. So now I'm driving two kids I've never met before. Again, MapQuest, I don't have GPS yet or anything like that. I, I printed out my directions. I had to go all the way to their club and, and pick them up and then ride to DC. And first of all, it was a day. You know, we're, it's awkward because I don't know these two kids. It's dead silent on the bus. I'm trying to create conversation. They're acting all weird. I'm like, all right, well, let me turn the music up and drown them out. And so I forgot DC has horrible parking. It doesn't matter where you go, especially when you get around like downtown. You get around those parts of Northwest and even some parts of Northeast where everything is, there is no parking, no street parking, and we're in a bus. So I can't go inside of any garages. If I try to go in a garage, I'm gonna tear the roof off the bus. And so I circle around DC for at least 45 minutes. The event is only 30 minutes. It was to the point where I was like, how old are you? And one was like 13. And how old are you? 14. Okay, look, I'm going to let y'all off. Run to the venue. Here's my number. Call me. I'm going to just circle around. Y'all let me know when the thing is over. Because at this point, they're about to miss the whole event. And so I'm driving. I finally find a parking spot. I'm like, yes. And I'm parked all the way by the White House. All right? Mind you, this event was on like 14th Street, which is way on the other side. I just got this parking spot. I get out. You know, I'm literally jogging to get back to this other area. And then just my luck, there's this big old protest outside of the White House. And I end up seeing one of my old classmates, Khalil. His hand is chained to a fence. I'm like, what the? I'll talk to you later, but what's up? They, they was having a whole protest. I'm running past that to get to this event. They called. They're like, Mr. Michael, the event's over. What? Oh, no, this event ain't about to be over because I ain't even got there yet. We, we gonna meet us some celebrities. And so I finally get there. I'm sweating through all my clothes. They're standing outside looking all sad. They haven't met anybody. They wanted to meet Jennifer Lopez. And I was like, F that. We're gonna meet us some celebrities today. And so we get in there. The event has closed down. LeBron James walked right past us because, you know, he's with his handlers and he's on the way out. And I was like, well, get in a quick wave, y'all. There's the wave. That's LeBron. All right, who else we got? J-Lo was already up out of there. Um... Somehow we ended up catching Ashanti at the elevator. Like we were in the lobby and she just so happened to just ding and come out. I was like, oh, oh Ashanti, hey. Mind you, the kids did not know who she was. I knew her very well, all right? Because I had a childhood friend, Antoine, that used to be obsessed with Ashanti. We used to have these big, giant Janet Jackson versus Ashanti, who looks better, who's the better entertainer arguments all the time. And so I knew Ashanti, but I, you know, I was the only one who knew her. And at the time, she didn't really have any music out because this is like 2011. She had a song that was on some kind of soundtrack. And I only remember that because I remember seeing it on some blogs. So I tried to start a conversation like, hey, Ashanti, you know, I just, I just heard the song that you um, added to this movie and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. So it was like a way to kind of ease the tension. And so she was actually really, really cool. And I was like, well, listen, we, we missed the whole event. We couldn't find parking, blah, 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 blah. It's cool if we get a picture. And she was like, yeah, come on, come take a picture. I'm like, great, because, you know, the kids, we we love you. We have all your albums up here just lying. But, you know, like we need to, like, we're going to have to get a picture with somebody. Only problem is she had this old messy assistant that did not want to take the pictures. Because I was like, oh, okay, well, can you take the picture for I don't take pictures. <sighs> you know what? All right, now the kids are here, so I can't act and say what I really want to say, and I'm going to be nice. Okay, cool, don't worry about it. And so I ended up, there was a security guard in there that was nice enough and let us, you know, she took it. And I was looking at that assistant so sideways because there was so much I wanted to say. But if I would have said it, that meant Ashanti was going to catch some strays too, and she didn't do nothing wrong that day. So I left it alone. Um, And so the kids got the picture with Ashanti, and then we went outside, and I saw TMZ outside. And I'm like, okay, that means there's still some celebrities around here because there's all these... 
older black women hanging around. I was like, you know what? Denzel must still be inside. They're waiting for Denzel. And that's exactly who they're waiting for. This one lady had like skipped work and she was trying to avoid the TMZ cameras because she didn't want to be seen on camera because she knew she was supposed to be at work. She was, I'm waiting for Denzel. I'm waiting for Denzel and everything. And so I told the, the kids like, okay, well, these are the limos. We're just going to stand right here. And I bet you Denzel's in one of these. So let's just stand here and wait. So we stood there and waited for like 20 minutes. The kids don't care about Denzel either. They, they don't know him. This is all for me, really. I'm having a great time. And so Denzel comes out he's nice he stops and talks to everybody to the kids to tmz to the to the, the women that were out there getting the pictures the kids got some with some great selfies with denzel and then we got on the bus and i needed to take them back to falls church there was just one problem i made the map quest map for how to get there i did not make the map quest map on how to get back and so <laughs> it was a guessing game of how to get back to this place. And so I got relatively close and then I even made it to the main street that their club would be on. But somehow I drove past it. They must have been asleep when I went past the club. And I kept telling them, okay, listen, hey, when y'all see something familiar, let me know so I can turn. We end up driving 45 minutes out the way. At this point, we are headed way into some part of Virginia. I don't even know where we were going. We were going way out there. I think we were almost in Fairfax. I'm like, yo, it took us forever to get back to the center. And I was like, I thought you said you knew this area. She's like, yeah, maybe like 20 minutes ago. I'm like, well, why y'all didn't say nothing when stuff started to look unfamiliar? I don't know this place either. And so I didn't get them kids back to about 9.30 at night. We were supposed to be back at, at 6.00. Long day. What a time. With all that being said, Darlene's last day finally came. And I'm not even going to lie. You know, she wasn't a terrible person. I just did not enjoy working with her. Her energy just drained me because she just, there was no life to her. And she was just stoic and cold and dismissive and rude and would cut you off while you're talking. And, and mind you, I, I was a lot nicer then than I think I would be now. There's no way you would have just been getting away with all that today. But it was kind of like I was really trying to be the team player and, you know, really fall into the, the, the culture that was already there before I got there. Be respectful of everybody's experience, but F all that. That girl was difficult to work with, so I was happy when it was time for her to go. And by then, we had already brought Ava on. Ava would be working with us on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays because she was still a college student and she was in class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday is when Ava would be at the center, which was great for me, but the only problem is, what are we gonna do about Tuesdays and Thursdays? One idea was, well, maybe we can have Carrie come in and she can come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That was Boss Lady's assistant, but Boss Lady was like, uh-uh, I need Carrie for me. Nope, not at all. And so Boss Lady came up with the idea, we'll hire a second person. And so we brought on this other girl named Ebony and so what Ebony was told when I interviewed her you know she was under the assumption that she'd be working with me and she'd be working with Ava and we'd be a team of three and I was cool with it I was like oh this would be a lot of fun and and and, and Ebony was cool like look she had the, the big tatted arm sleeve the kids thought she was the coolest thing because even before she started she came by the center to introduce herself to all the teenagers and stuff and you know I was like okay I'm already I, I see my village being built here all right so I got Ava I got Ebony I'm gonna bring like one other guy on and we're gonna have us it's about to be real dope and so boss lady was like oh no that's not how this is gonna go actually you're gonna have ava monday wednesday friday and then you will get ebony on tuesdays and thursdays but then i'm gonna have ebony go to the center that's in the basement on mondays and fridays and i'm gonna have her go to the herndon location on wednesdays and i'm like does she know that oh no she she if she wants the job she will do it okay if you say so so anyway we get into the week and mind you, we've planned this big, elaborate Halloween extravaganza for the kids. And it's so trifling because I didn't even do nothing for Darlene on her way out when it was time for her to go. All right, I'll see you. Nice working with you. She ain't get no kind of party, no card, no nothing. I was like, good riddance. 
all right i hope she's doing well but at the time that energy did she, she vexed my spirit too much i wasn't feeling her at all anyway so we had planned this elaborate halloween extravaganza like i let the teenagers plan the entire thing i also learned around this time we never had money for nothing man i, I didn't have a company card and i'd have to spend my own personal money a lot of times because boss lady never gave us money for anything she'd always say if you need something reach out and ask and then you'd ask for it and she'd say we ain't got it <laughs> And I'm like, what the heck? So, you know, I pretty much funded the entire Halloween party. The teenagers put all of this stuff together. They had games. You know, I bought candy, the decorations. They redid the entire center to look like a haunted house. We had enough candy for the entire neighborhood. It was going to be a lot of fun. And so in my head, I was like, this is going to be good because I'm going to be there. You know, Ava's going to be there. And if I'm lucky, I'll be able to pull in Ebony that day. It'll be great. It'll be a great first day for the two new staff. And, you know, we're going to jump into this next era of the center, and it's just going to be great. And so that week starts. It's Halloween. It's that Monday. John calls. Now, John, remember, this is the white guy from earlier in the episode that I said was looking at me crazy, so I wasn't feeling his energy from day one. Now, he worked at the Herndon location, which is way out so far. Herndon, Virginia is not close to anything. It's way out there. It's like an hour to get over there. I don't know who was thinking of even letting us be sister and brother locations because they're not that close to each other. Anyway, so, you know, he calls. He's like, hey, uh, was Ebony there on Friday? And I'm like, no, she's not supposed to come here on Fridays anyway. From what I was told, she was going to you or something. And apparently, if I can request her, she was going to be here today. Oh, because she wasn't there Friday. I was by myself. Hmm. Okay. And I already knew what happened. I knew right then and there Ebony had quit. <laughs> like Ebony said, I'm not doing this bullshit. Like, I'm out. Y'all not about to have me driving to three and four different locations and wasting my gas for a part-time salary. Because, mind you, these were part-time positions. These, were, these weren't even full-time positions. Like, you know, you can't have people spending more gas getting to work than, you know, what they make at work. Because, yeah, they were lowballing us. We weren't making any money. And I was barely making anything. And I was the director in full time. I wasn't making any money. I'll be honest. I was making under $35,000 at the time. And Ava and Ebony were part time. They weren't really making anything either. I think what they initially offered both of them was like, well, they offered Ava $8 an hour because Boss Lady was like, she doesn't have a degree, so she can't make this much yet. And I was able to negotiate and at least get her to 11, which was not a lot. But I was telling Boss Lady like, yeah, she doesn't have a degree, but this is not even a position that requires one. So what are y'all talking about? Like, and she was making more than that at her last job. And again, y'all were not very clear about what the salary was when they applied for these positions. So you can't lead people on and they, they're thinking they're going to make something and now they're going to make less. Absolutely not. And then, you know, Ebony, I don't remember what they were going to offer her, but it was something in that same range. So Ebony was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. So Ebony bounced. And what ended up happening was Carrie would have to come in on Tuesdays or Thursdays, or they would have some of the staff from the Falls Church location in the basement come and swap out and, and trade. And, and, oh, and they hated doing that because they did not like coming to my center for some reason. We'll, we'll get to some of the beefs with the centers in the later episodes, but man. So anyway, we go ahead and we have this day, you know, this day without Darlene. It's going to be the party. It's going to be a great day. Unfortunately, things start going wrong as soon as I get to the center. The power is out in the computer lab for some reason, but just the computer lab. The rest of the club has power, but I'm like, dang it, we need that room because that was going to be the room for all these different activities and stuff. So now we have to squeeze and stuff everything into the, the multi-purpose room, which makes it now extremely crowded. And like I said, the teenagers have already opened this party to every kid in the neighborhood, including the kids that don't even come to the center. And so I'm like, dang, man. And then 
All of these people who were volunteers who would volunteer to bring candy did not bring candy. So the only candy we had was the candy I bought. <laughs> and so we had just enough for all the kids to get about a handful of candy. But, I mean, we were supposed to be doing cakewalks and, and charades and, and, and bopping for apples and all. We, man, we was over here cutting corners trying to make this thing work. But the good thing is little kids were having a ball. They didn't care. And it, it was just so wild because it's like we didn't have any power. I was freaking out. Um... Ava was there, but it was her first day, and I felt bad because she didn't get an orientation. You know, Darlene left on that 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 Friday or that whatever time before, and then literally the next day would be Ava's day, so she didn't really get a time to really have an orientation. But the good thing was, at least she was working under me. I'd be able to kind of train her each and every day that she came. So I was like, no worries, you're going to be fine by the time we, we get started. And so, you know, the party ends up going okay. The kids had a ball. Even the high school, it was, it was lit. It was fun. It was a great time. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna be able to do this because I was very nervous at first. I really thought that without Darlene there, things were gonna fall apart. This was the very first time I'd ever had to really be the person that was actually in charge. And mind you, Darlene wasn't the director. You know, she was supposed to be under me, but she really was running that center at the time that I got there. So she was totally comfortable, you know, doing any and everything. So that transition or that, that shift of power from her to me, even when it came to dealing with grants and stuff, I was a little intimidated at first. But after the party, I'm like, you know what? I got this, we're gonna be all right. So what we're going to do, because this episode is getting so long and we haven't even made it to Christmas yet, when we get to Christmas, I'm going to pause this story and tell the rest of the school year in another episode, because otherwise this really will probably end up being three hours and some change, and that's going to just be way too long. So anyway, as the year went on, you know, like I said, Ava would be a blessing to this center. Like, I'll be honest, if Ava did not come to this center, I don't think I would have been there 11 years. She was the perfect person to work with. We just clicked so well you know those first few months were kind of quiet because you don't really know people that well but we we just clicked we understood each other we spoke the same language and the dopest part was she was from the neighborhood she lived there she grew up there even as a kid she went to that center before it was taken over by my company and so she understood like the language of the neighborhood and it, it was perfect because in moments where I could drop the ball or maybe there was a void I couldn't fill, she could fill it and vice versa. And then she respected me as a boss, which I absolutely loved. I, it wasn't a thing about ego, but it was a thing about trusting that I know what I'm doing. And so even sometimes I'd have these elaborate ideas that sounded like, what are you on? But she would be down with it, like, okay, well, let's try it. And so that just made our working relationship so great. And, and what was so dope, she was, th she's actually still there. Like I thought she would have left before I did, but it was like, you know, we just clicked. Great working relationship. One of the best people I've ever worked with. And so, you know, as far as the actual center, the first thing that me and Ava did, we sat down. I'm like, Ava, let me tell you the vision I have for this center. Like, in order for this center to work, we got to make this thing feel like it's ours. Right now, it doesn't feel like it's ours. It feels like I'm a guest in a space that was already here and she kind of felt the same way and she was like well the main thing we need to do is clean this place up so for like the next two weeks we cleaned and cleaned cleaned that place up i mean we were throwing out stuff and moving furniture and getting rid of stuff that was falling apart getting rid of stuff that you know was chewed up by, by mice and i mean we cleaned and scrubbed and swept and wiped and brushed and dusted and vacuumed and and, and that room that i told you about I ended up talking to the people next door. You know, I went over to, to Tabitha and, and, and to the other lady that I was over. There. I was like, listen, we need that room back because why is it that you guys have our closet? You know, you have a closet that's in our center that we can't use. And because of that, the extra room that we have, we have to use that as a closet. We need our room back. Is there a way to make this happen? And so, you know, they were like, 
I guess, fine. So they ended up giving us back this closet we had that was by the kitchen. And by doing that, we were able to take everything out of that other extra room that was like the size of a bedroom and turn that into what it was supposed to be, which was supposed to be a teen room. So as we're cleaning that room, I mean, we're taking all kind of stuff out. I was like, yo, there's a couch in here. Like that's how much stuff was in there. It was like they just kept stacking things in there. It was like an episode out of hoarders. So anyway, Ava and I cleaned up for like two weeks all we cleaned up and the thing i love about ava too is ava because she already knew every kid in the neighborhood she could put her foot down in a way that i couldn't right away because i didn't have that kind of relationship with the kids yet and so she came and fit right in and then again the conversation of money that was the other thing, thing that drove us crazy there was just never any money to do anything so the way that our center was set up we were not a chartered site within the company because again we were a satellite site of the falls church location like we were like their feeder site so when grants and stuff would come in we would never qualify because we weren't a full site and so all of the grants and stuff would go to the falls church location and then the money would would trickle down and then it would be split between us and the herndon location and i did not like that because it just it, it affected us where we never had money to do anything and what boss lady used to do she would come maybe every few weeks and give us a costco card for 150 dollars, and somehow that was supposed to cover you know all the things we needed now we did have a snack vendor at the time like these people came they brought snack you had to do a whole bunch of paper work and take the temperatures of apples and do all kind of stupid things in order to get these dusty snacks but at least they were free so we're going through that but when it came to like supplies paper ink for the printers pencils glue scissors if we wanted to do an activity if i just wanted to get donuts for the kids like we never had money for all that and again costco cards are great but costco cards are not bank cards and so we could only get things at costco and so we were just always broke but the thing is it made us become so creative the way I used to be so quick at making up a game and the kids would just eat it up, same thing with Ava, we could make up so many things. One game I used to always do with the little kids, it was this game, I called it Four Corners, but it really wasn't Four Corners. What would happen is I would print out a sign with you know five of the, of the continents, not all seven, because Antarctica, there's no point in playing with Antarctica, and I think I'd often skip Australia, but you know, I'd do the other one. So it was like Europe, Asia, Africa, North America, South America, and what would happen is I would turn on some music, the, can't, the kids would dance in the middle of the room, I'd pause the music, I'd yell out a country, or I'd yell out a city, and then the kids would have to run and stand under the sign of where, you know, what continent that city or that country would be found on and that's how we would like learn the different countries and the cities and everything like man that game was lit they used to be so pressed to play that and then over time i had to slow it down because the kids started getting bigger they were tearing up the place we used to play another game called you gotta watch out where and this there's people that played very different variations of this game it wasn't even one i really made up but um it was one where you know you you pick one kid to go hide in the room and close the door and then everybody else we, we would hide I don't know maybe it was a Batman action figure we would hide the Batman action figure somewhere in the club and then when we were ready we let the kid come out and the kids would just have to keep saying you gotta watch out and so the louder they got the closer the kid was to the item where we hit it so if, if we hit it in the trash can and the kid was by the trash can the kids would literally be screaming like you gotta watch out you gotta like they'd be screaming it but then maybe the kid didn't catch on he went back the other way went to the computer lab then they'd be like you like so the kids used to love that so that was a really that was a really great game with like listening we had this game called the rice challenge this is how broke we were the rice challenge was literally we got two buckets and filled it up with some dry rice and then we put paper clips in the bucket but colored paper clips we'd blindfold the kids and it would be two buckets person a and person b and they both had their own bucket and their goal was to get out as many paper clips with their hands you know blindfolded as they could but there was one trick all of the paper clips were a different point total so sometimes the red might be minus 20 points the yellow might
might be minus 10. The green might be plus 10. The blue might be plus 20. The silver might be plus 50. You know, the white might be negative 100. And so the kids would take out as many as they could. And then we would count them and then, you know, add or take away the points based on the color. And we just keep doing that with teams. I mean, they would eat that game up. We would play it all day um we had another game called good morning mr judge where you'd have one kid blindfold themselves and face against you know away from everybody and then all the kids would have to say you know one at a time good morning mr judge but they'd have to disguise their voice and then the person would try to guess who said it and if the person was able to guess the voice then the other kid would sit back down if they couldn't guess the voice you'd swap the kid like we were always coming up with games like there was a program i did with the teenagers called cwi that was contemporary world issues that was like the program where we would talk about everything that was happening in the world what was happening you know in life what was happening in politics and everything so that was a great way to kind of get the teenagers more involved with what was happening one of the things i would do with some of the older elementary kids in the middle school i used to make cases that they would have to solve i'd create an entire mystery like write out an entire case and they'd have to solve it like it it could be a case like i don't know somebody you know stole somebody's car and then when you interview the witness the witness says oh well i was in the shower for you know 35 minutes and then you know when i opened the door you know i could see the reflection of the car in the window through the mirror and the person was driving off and the kids would have to figure out well you know if you're in the shower for 45 minutes the the window would have still been steamy so you wouldn't have been able to see anybody in a reflection like it, it was great it was a great way to get the kids to really think we would do talent shows you know we plug up the radio we would we did everything you could think of I, at that point I was even teaching dance again like and it was to the point where the kids from the the Falls Church location were being bussed over as well to come and learn dance with us so we found ways to make things work at that center I loved working with Ava because we were both resourceful now she was more resourceful than me sometimes it used to get on my nerves because I'm like we ain't down this bad now we we can make some of this work a little bit but man so we just had to be very 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 creative and i remember as we got to christmas um boss lady was like oh i have a santa and elves that's gonna come to your club and and do everything and also you know it's gonna be great and i'm like well is santa and and the elves gonna be coming with some toys or something because kids don't want to see santa if there's no toys and boss lady was like oh no we, we don't have toys but then what you bringing santa for like that that that's not how this works and so fortunately the rental office next door already did Toys for Tots, which was great because Toys for Tots was for the neighborhood. So I was like, well, why don't we have a joint holiday party this year? So, you know, you guys will set up the Toys for Tots. The kids are coming through you guys. They get the toys. When they come to my center, then that's when Santa and the elves will be there. And we'll have, like, I don't know, hot chocolate and some stuff like that. And so it ended up being this really, really great event right so well it was going great until we had one mishap so santa comes the elves are there they're having a great time everybody's doing what the cupid shuffle and everything boss lady had even come boss ladies in there trying to cupid shuffle with with no rhythm we having a great time and so towards the end some of the other kids in the neighborhood were running around and they went and ran past one of the windows and when they ran past one of the windows they saw that the elves were changing and the elves were not real elves oh my god you know they couldn't wait none of them are real they're all fake i'm like how come every time y'all discover something y'all don't know how to be subtle y'all gotta announce it to the whole world man i was just like i i I cannot with y'all y'all are off the chain totally off the chain and then you know one of the funnier moments too as well um and by the way let me tell you how good i was like because see When I worked in my center, I didn't only just think of my kids. I always thought of all the kids. So I knew that our center would be the only center with toys compared to the other two centers in in our region. You know, the Herndon Center wasn't going to have anything and the Falls Church Center wasn't going to have anything. We had so many toys left over. I was nice enough 
to give our extra toys over to the other center so that they could have toys at their party too because I didn't want the, um, their kids to not have anything even though many times my kids were always looked over because again if we want to talk demographics like I pretty much had the black people club right I had the club with all the black folks in it the Falls Church Club was the club that was majority Latino and a little bit Asian and then the Herndon Club was the club that I don't really know what they were um I don't um maybe they might have been they were a bit more diverse they were kind of a bit of everything so there was there was black there was white there was latino there was asian there was middle eastern there was you know they had a a little bit of everything there was a lot of east african at that club as well like like kids from like ethiopia somalia and stuff like that and so you know i wanted to make sure all the kids got something because when i was a little kid i was excited about christmas i wanted them to have that same excitement so you know we had so many toys left over from the toys for tots that you know there were enough toys to go around to the other two locations and ain't nobody said thank you but whatever um and then there was the christmas party for the staff which is very interesting because remember how i said boss lady had said we were six hundred thousand dollars in debt the thing that had me so confused during this time period was for us to be in so much debt we knew how to have these big elaborate parties i mean big 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 parties and so this party was at the ritz carlton all the way in tyson's corner virginia like ritz carlton black tie affair and mind you this is the christmas party for the entire organization not just our three sites but like all 18 sites all of the staff members the people from headquarters all of that i mean everybody's dressed up ceo's gonna be there big boss man's gonna be there and i mean it was nice i mean they had everything catered um the only weird parts I didn't realize that boss lady was like off the chain all the time. And so they had invited her to do the prayer. She was just supposed to do the prayer. She ends up going up there and doing this speech for 20 minutes and thanking everybody for just, you know, a great year, which you would think is fine. But then, you know, she wanted to start singing. And that was the other thing. She could sing. She did it all the time. She had, she had sung at the staff fun day. I remember being at a board meeting, me and Carrie are sitting there and she starts singing. I believe I can fly. And I'm like, what is going on here? Mind you, the board is like a bunch of old white people. And, you know, so, and she's like, you know, and and, and the work that we're doing, you know, it reminds me of, I used to think that I could not. I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I was like, what is going on here? So we're at this Christmas party and there's this big old stage because there's a dance floor. And she's like, um, 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 will Carrie and Michael come up? I'm like, what is she calling me for? Mind you, most of the people here don't know me. They've only seen me if they've seen me at Staff Funday. They don't know who I am. She's like, uh, what Michael has not told you is he is a professional dancer and a singer. I'm like, oh my God, boss lady, please no, no. And and Carrie, she went to school for music. So we're going to sing a song for you. I'm like, and what I didn't know, boss lady had been drinking. Okay, she'd been drinking the whole night. I didn't know. So she was already toasted by the time we got up there. She tried to make us go up there and sing Stand By Me. And I'm just like, what the, what? And, and mind you, I don't even know the lyrics to Stand By Me. I know the hook, but that wasn't a song I really played like that. And so she's singing and trying to pass the mic to us. And I'm like, I don't know this part. Big boss man, again, like I said, he ain't crazy over me so he's scalding like why are we wasting our time doing this let's go ahead and bring out the rest of the program and so we get through this song that i don't know the full words to i'm over here just improv and trying to make it through and boss lady this is her i don't know she thought she we were at the copacabana or something boss lady is 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 gone drunk okay the good drunk too anyway after we finish our stupid song the dj cranks the music and it's like party party because the cool thing about this company is like the company is like 85 percent black as far as the staff so you know the music the food the culture it's a different environment i was like dang i need to get closer to some of these people from these other uh, locations and stuff and so you know they have this big party the dj's cranking the music's cranking and you know they're giving out prizes i'm like this is lit and then you know i also brought my friend whitney she was my plus one so whitney had come in whitney had us a good time 
And then when he was like, hey, where's your boss at? I'm like, I don't know. She was somewhere here. I was going to have you meet her. We go out in the hallway. Boss lady's in the hallway sitting with her hands in her face. And we're like, uh, are you good? Oh, the music's too loud. My head hurts. Like, she, the, the, the drinks had kicked in by then. She was miserable. So we ended up having to call boss lady's husband to come pick her up because she was too drunk to drive because she thought she was going to go home. I'm like, ain't no way you about to drive home, especially I remember riding in the car with you. There's no way you're going to make it out of here. So the husband had to come and pick her up. But it, it was a time. I was like, this organization is off the chain. That's also when I finally actually met the CEO um, that day. The CEO was actually really, really cool, too. Um, and so, yeah, that so far was the first half of the year. What I'm going to do is I'm actually just going to go ahead and have both episodes uploaded at the same time. So even though this one is ending, you can jump right into episode 28 and it continues. I'm not even going to make y'all wait a whole bunch of weeks for the next one just because we're already in the middle of the story. So let's just keep it going. I'll see you on the next episode.